You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to podcast 51. And this is now the 51st podcast that I've done since May of 2019. It's Saturday, May the 30th, 2020, and after offering Coronavirus and Astrology Part 13, Pallas Athena, Immunology and the the Genetic Code, we are now presenting the Astrology of American Injustice 2020 and Major Planetary Cycles Part 1. Now, this new podcast is including five charts, which I'm going to cover in this particular Part 1. The first one is the horoscope for the killing of George George Floyd in Minneapolis on May 25, 2020. The second chart is for the Juno Station Direct the following day, May 26th. Then the third chart is the state chart for Minnesota from May 11, 1858. The next chart is the first quarter sun-moon phase from yesterday, May 29th, that happened in the evening across America. And also the fifth chart is the upcoming Gemini Sagittarius full moon next Friday, June 5th, which is also in the spiritual literature and esoteric circles considered to be World Invocation Day, most appropriately, or the Festival of Humanity and the Festival of the Christ. Um, In addition, uh, on our Great Bear website, greatbearenterprises.com, this is where those charts are. No matter where you get your podcast, you should come to our website at greatbearenterprises.com to the Mark Lerner Astrology Radio Astroscope area. You'll see various introductions going back all the way to last May of 2019. And there's a whole section of charts and images. So we're also going to include the cover from the Gemini 1991. That's not an error. The Gemini 1991 issue of Welcome to Planet Earth, Astrology Magazine from 29 years ago, with a feature story on justice in America. Now, um, what I've been doing, uh, like many people, of course, tuned in by TV, radio, whatever different sources you have of the violence of the last week that was precipitated by the killing of George Floyd on what we call Memorial Day now, last Monday. Actually, this is the Memorial Day. Um, go back in your history books, which was originally called Decoration Day. May 30th in the past was when we were honoring so many of the people who've died. Uh, this originated back in the World War One time period, eventually becoming a national holiday and then being changed into these three-day kind of weekends. Well, when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, you had Memorial Day. It was May 30th. You didn't have all these three-day weekends to go buying things and getting discounts at stores. It just shows the further materialization, unfortunately, of our culture. Uh, Let me say also this, just to give the perspective, uh, because my disappointment, and there are so many people who have rage in the black community and all the different minority communities uh, throughout America and throughout the world, for, for that matter, uh, and there have been uprisings everywhere. 
I mean, what we're seeing now is the most extensive one our country has seen, but also let's remember that through um, this all started because a 17-year-old girl had uh, the courage to stand before that police um, car where George Floyd could not breathe with not only the particular person who's now been arrested uh, with a charge, uh, again, this took far too many days, of course, we all know, with manslaughter and third-degree murder, and that's being explained to people why it can't be first-degree murder immediately uh, for various reasons, but again, this is not quelling uh, the outrage, and so we see that what started in Minneapolis has now gone all throughout major cities. It just keeps increasing day after day, and I'm sharing now, um, I just want you to know, on the West Coast in Oregon, just before 5 p.m., uh, and I'm concerned, of course, with the curfews that are now coming in, whether or not um, we'll have the agitators. I'll get into all that from the right or the left. It's not it's not all the left, as the president of the United States has started to do, again, blaming different people he knows nothing about, uh, assuming certain people are agitators and that his group is perfectly fine. So we're going to get into that in a moment because I heard exactly what he said uh, before he went off to uh, watch the the new spacecraft go up, um, which was, of course, a remarkable event uh, between um, SpaceX and uh, NASA. And so that's actually, that was delayed by several days and wound up happening today, which is an interesting uh, correlation um, to all the violence happening on Earth, um, that these two astronauts are going to go to the International Space Station. And that's, of course, another story. We always tend to find um, different stories and parallels of something positive that represents potential peace and remarkable achievements. And then we see these other things that are the destruction of our way of life and the, 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 rep the repressive uh, energies that have gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years, let alone thousands of years, if we look at the larger perspective of planet Earth. But anyway, out here in Oregon, we have Libra rising. So... Uh, I wasn't going to do this until I got more information. I mean, I'm, what I'm about to share at the beginning here, let me count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, ten sheets of paper often scribbled together of notes, frantically putting things on there as soon as I have different insights um, over the last several days. And I want to give you a collage of that. Uh, as chaotic as we see everything going on on TV, on the different stations or radio or wherever you're uh, seeing these kind of things on a cell phone, a mobile phone or um, on an iPad or while traveling, um, I have the same kind of thing. I would love to just sit here in a casual, coherent way and just type everything out and report very uh, calmly bullet point after bullet point are exactly what I want to share. And it just doesn't work that way because um, feelings of disappointment, feelings of outrage uh, intermingle with my desire to be the professional astrologer I've been for 47 years and also bringing, bringing to the fore my expertise in terms of my understanding of history, my understanding of social science. That was my major when I was in college. And as I've shared before, being a reporter, a journalist, an opinion writer 50 years ago at a major uh, American university, Michigan State, which had a great uh, newspaper at that time, 
I feel very fortunate again that I got my start there. So I see myself as a journalist and as a reporter. Um, I'd say that almost more primarily than being an astrologer, but for 47 years, I've been fortunate enough to be in the field of astrology. And for 20 of those years, was able to be the publisher and editor-in-chief of Welcome to Planet Earth, astrology newspaper and then magazine. And so I will, I will um, bring attention to that in a little bit. But I just want to set the stage here because the astrology of the whole week and where we're going is so immense. But the astrology of where the whole country is going, where the whole world is going with major planetary cycles. And I've reported about this many, many times in these podcasts and also on Great Bear Enterprise. Let me just say, this is very important. We have our global hotspot area on greatbearenterprises.com every two weeks with a world map the full moon or the new moon or an eclipse based in Washington, D.C., but that those full moon and new moon maps or eclipse, eclipse maps, we can understand the wider impact of how they affect the capitals of other countries and other places. You can even move, um, if one knows astrolocality principles, and often I will do that I, in one of the particular podcasts that uh, we do and that I did uh, a couple of months ago now or two months ago, um, I, I changed a full moon and a new moon to come from Wuhan, China, so that we could see the same new moon, full moon, eclipse energies as they occurred in that area to show why everything developed with the coronavirus in those areas. So that's one of the advantages of being able to have the website. So that's completely complimentary, just as these podcasts are, global hotspot area on Great Bear Enterprises to see world maps, and various charts. We also have the new app, which has never been out there before for the Cosmic Calendar. Again, you can get that for your iPhone or for an Android phone. And each day of the Cosmic Calendar that I've been doing for 39 years, reporting about world cycles, Venus, Mars, the sun, the moon, new moons, full moons, quarter moons, each day's uh, events in the skies, the sky configurations, the major planetary alignments, you can have that completely for free. You just get the app, you wind up, uh, it's again, Cosmic Calendar with Calendar with a K, Cosmic Calendar, two words, and um, create a username, a password, and you'll be set to go where you have each day of what's happening in the sky by itself. If you want to subscribe, which is a paid subscription, to go into the future, which is advisable, particularly these days when we see all this violence and we see all this commotion, we don't know where it's all going. There's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anger. Uh, and it's not just, of course, in America with the pandemic, what's happening around the world. So for instance, today, one of the articles is how South America now is the big, big area on the planet, uh, unfortunately, particularly in countries like Brazil, Peru, and Chile, also Argentina and Mexico. And so um, things are getting out of hand there. And for people in this country who think this is over with, this is also, as we're watching these events unfold, I've been watching particularly so many people are not wearing a face mask. And then when you combine tear gas with the smoke from these, um, whoever is doing and whatever groups are in there to facilitate violence and take things away from a peaceful recognition um, and a marching against police brutality and inherent racism of all kinds within America. Um, 
the peaceful movement is now getting hijacked um, by these uh, violent forces. I'll have more words to say about that because um, growing up in the 50s and 60s and 70s and participating or actually seeing it um, at Michigan State uh, during 1968, particularly during the, the student revolutions of that time, and working together with different minority groups, particularly the black uh, groups at Michigan State University, and, and the students who we were all uprising against the system and against the Vietnam War and against racism and so many different things. People um, forget, it's not just the, the assassination of Martin Luther King, but several years earlier of Malcolm X, 1965. And I will be presenting that in the next part of an article I wrote called Malcolm X, Life and Death, uh, February 1969. So, and, and I wrote about so many different subjects about the Nixon administration and incursions into Cambodia and Laos in addition to the Vietnam War, which had been developed under Lyndon Johnson after the murder of President Kennedy. So um, I come from that generation and I come from a time period where I've seen and been a part of uprisings and coordination with student movements and radical movements, and I've seen it happening. And this was also my ma major in, in college, not just sociology and social science, but studying um, imperialism and colonialism, and not just by America, but by all the European powers and also other powers around the planet. So this is this is an ongoing thing. And when you add on the fact that we're not even really done with the Crusades of the last thousand years, uh, when you think of Christianity versus Islam, that is still going on. I've written about that on our website. We have our news section called Earth Aquarius News. It also includes Astro Flash articles. And now on our app um, is not only um, the cosmic calendar that I've been doing for 39 years, but we also have astroflash sections of different planetary alignments about the asteroids and different planets in shorter segments. We have longer astroflash articles on Great Bear Enterprises in uh, the Great uh, in the Earth Aquarius News section. We also have an astro business key section, which is despite the name business, has the Sun, Moon, and the eight main planets and the asteroids in terms of their major themes and archetypes. So if you're new to astrology and want to understand, hey, what's what are really the, the archetypes of Jupiter or Saturn or Mercury or Chiron or Pallas Athena, and I talk a lot about the asteroids um, in these podcasts because they're very, very important, the four main asteroids. You can go back to the coronavirus and astrology series and ones from last year where you'll see my sharing so much about Pallas Athena and its meanings, as well as Juno and Vesta and Ceres, and more recently working with the discovery charts of Chiron from 1977 and Sedna in 2003, and then Eris in 2005, working with the other discovery charts that we've known um, about for a long time, discovery of Uranus, 1781, discovery of Neptune in 1846. And so many of these other uh, charts and alignments that I've been sh sharing before. So um, tonight, um, I was going to do this later. I was going to wait. And then I felt, you know what? Instead of doing one podcast, which tends to be very long, I'm going to try and break it into two. Uh, the other thing that's happening tonight, aside from Libra rising at this particular moment, the sun is in Gemini. We just had 
a quarter moon. The moon is in Virgo. Quarter moons, as I'll explain, are times of crisis. They're times of friction. And for most people, when we when they hear about astrology and they or people who just study astronomy and the focus on, oh, a new moon, the sun and moon are together, or full moon, the moon is full, or it's eclipsed, or it isn't eclipsed. And so compared to the prominence of people having some idea of the new moon where the sun and moon are together and the full moon when they're on either side of the earth and there's a full illumination, which is really the, the moon reflecting the fullness of the sun, the quarter moons are underrated in terms of their power and their significance. And the first quarter moon, which we just had, as my main mentor, Dane Rajar, would say in so many of his different books and teachings, is a crisis in action. A crisis in action when the sun and moon are square and 90 degrees apart, and depending on the signs involved and other planets involved or other celestial bodies, this can become very intense. Just as the last quarter moon is also a crisis, but more of a crisis in consciousness. Um, so I'll get into this in a moment when I... When I give out the chart or I explain more about the chart, what we've just had in the last 24 hours. And, and this was all building up yesterday. I was watching the events as they got more and more extreme. And as they got more and more extreme, the quarter moon was getting more and more exact. And then we, then the TV stations were showing Minneapolis. They were showing Los Angeles. They were showing Atlanta and different cities. And the violence just kept increasing burnings, lootings, firestorms, different kinds of things, people being agitated. So part of what I want to do here in the beginning is share my notes and about what these charts so that you understand, at least from my perspective as a mundane and earth astrologer, as well as a personal astrologer for 47 years, that these alignments, which are part of the cosmic calendar, I need to remind everybody, uh, a lot of people don't realize, oh, astrology, I got my chart done. I know more about my sun sign, my moon sign, and so on. And I, I'm learning about my transits of Mars moving into this house in my chart or Jupiter going here or there or Saturn or whatever it may be. That's one part of it. We are all walking cosmic calendars, each one of us. I said this, I think, in the last podcast. Every person who's ever lived, all of us living now, every person who will ever live, the birth chart and an astrology that we hold to be such a sacred energy and if we have our exact time we know our month day and year city or town and state country then we've got this chart and it's like wow moon sun planets asteroids chiron the nodes whatever else we want to put in there the rising sign how everything is and then we study it either on our own or we get an astrologer hey tell me what's going to happen or this is what occurred for me last week or a year ago and i'm trying to figure it out where am i going what's going to happen in my business or my career my love life, whatever it is. Don't forget about each day's cycles in the sky. There is a resonance between what is happening when you were born and the powerful alignments you were born under, your moon, your sun, the alignments, the mathematical relationships, the signs involved, and the ongoing daily activities that are reported in the cosmic calendar. So, so much can be learned, not just about astrology, but about like, wow, if you're born, let's just say, when the moon is is trine Venus, 120 degrees, which can be a favorable line. Let's say you're born when the moon is trine Venus. 13, well, actually 26 times in a year. 
the moon will be trining Venus. It may not be your moon sign and your, and your Venus sign, but it doesn't matter. To some extent, every time in the universe, there's a repeat of some of even the smaller cycles that you're born under. Moon trine Venus, moon conjunct Jupiter, moon square Saturn, whatever it may be, and the solar alignments and the Mercury alignments and the Venus alignments. They keep happening in the sky. So if you know your own chart and you know the challenging alignments when you're born and the opportunistic alignments, every time those things repeat, even if they're in different signs, you can either move forward with those or you move backward and you take care and you're more cautious or you're more risky to do things. Or you can take advantage of what's happening in the sky or you can use the information in order to say, wait a minute, I think I need to hold back a little bit, wait for a better opportunity. So by not understanding this cosmic calendar energy of the sky cycles in the sky, or just thinking, oh, that's kind of interesting to read about that. No, it also relates to you or your loved ones, your friends, your colleagues, and so on, and to world leaders and nations as well. Okay, having said all that, let's go through, first of all, I'm going to, let's go through my notes. Um, I'm going to say a bunch of things, and it's going to be a kaleidoscope of a whole bunch of different things going on. So um, I want to move away for one second from um, the alignments. I have different things, just so you know, my computer versus um, my notes. Okay, so um, we'll leave one of these aside. A few, uh, yesterday or the day before, I started writing the, about the, the key points that I wanted to bring up here. So let me just do this and see if I can make some sense of my own notes here. Um, so... Um, one of the things that was happening several days before George Floyd died, okay, if we go back several days before, was that Mars and Juno on May 21st, that was four days, uh, that was the day before uh, the new moon, the last new moon, which was at three degrees of Gemini. That was on uh, May 22nd, okay? A week ago Friday, there was a new moon. And the day before that, Mars and Juno made a 150-degree uh, alignment. Now, in the global hotspot that exists on Great Bear Enterprises for the Gemini new moon of May 22nd, and you, you can go there and read what I wrote, I start talking about the power of Juno because Juno was going to make a station, and I reported that ahead of time. This is the advantage of going to our website, looking at global hotspot, looking at a, the astro flashes, looking at the cosmic calendar, downloading the cosmic calendar, and potentially, if you decide, subscribe for a month, subscribe for six months, subscribe for a year, so that you can get two to three weeks or three to four weeks uh, of the cosmic calendar into the future. It generally goes three to four weeks almost at any given time. So you can see what's happening ahead of time for meetings or just to know what's going on to prepare for the future. That's if you do the paid subscription and they're not that expensive. So at any rate, Mars and Juno, Mars, as many of you know, can be a planet of courage. It can be a planet of leadership and a planet of passion that's directed carefully. But it can also rep represent war, volatility, bloodshed, inf inflammatory behavior. Juno as an asteroid, which is currently in a sign that is very it's sensitive to a lot of the um, astrologers, professional astrologers who work with the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas Athena, Juno, and Vesta. Juno and Pallas Athena are particularly associated with Libra, a sign that we know that Venus traditionally rules. Now, Juno has been in, its, in this sign of Libra, and um, I've written a lot about it because it, 
in the United States birth chart from July 4th, 1776. I've reported before, this is also in a recent Astro Flash that is on the uh, Cosmic Calendar app, that um, Juno and Chiron, which were in an exact opposition when the United States was born, in Libra, from Libra to Aries, that opposition is coming back three times. And it's already come back twice. And the last one is going to be on July 4th. And here we are on at the end of May, an election in early November, with the pandemic going on, the strain between the federal government and the current administration, uh, where the president's already been impeached, but did not leave office, all these international uh, crises going on, and all these national crises going on, and we do not have a president and a leadership in Washington during, whether it's the pandemic and now with this crisis, where you can have a president like many other presidents before, regardless of which party they've been on, will comfort the nation, will will make a speech will, will or a series of speeches and tell everybody to calm down, and we're all in this together. But instead we have somebody who's, which I'll get to already, blaming one side again, just as what happened with Charlottesville, Virginia, where he, he started blaming um, the, the left's, this, what, the Democratic side or the people who were peaceful. And then he came out and he, he gave, um, he tried to read from a teleprompter and say, um, I'm so sorry, I, I sort of jumped the gun. And at the same time, then he, he withdrew from all that because his own instincts is he's only caring about the people who support him. He is not representing and has never represented the whole country, which is what almost all presidents, fundamentally all presidents do one way or another. Um, we've never really had a president exactly like this, okay? Every president that in recent memory, and certainly in the last hundred plus years, if not throughout the whole history of the country, always winds up moving toward the center. That's what they all do, because when they're running, they represent a party. They represent a, a part of the country, and then in becoming president, you need to step up in taking the oath all Americans. You're now the president of all Americans. You're not the president of 43% of the people. You're not the president of only those people. You're the president of all the people. And unfortunately, no amount of uh, communication is going to change the person who's currently in that position. We know that now that's pointless to try and persuade him otherwise. Nevertheless, Mars and Juno have certain principles. Now, when Juno is focusing well or functioning well, and every single planet, Sun, Moon, all the planets, the asteroids, Chiron, can function low, middle, or high. There is no such thing as Venus and Jupiter always being good and Mars and Saturn always being bad. That doesn't exist, okay? Depending on the signs, depending on the person, depending on your uh, environment growing up, whether you grew up in a poor environment or a rich environment, whether you had a lot of friends or not, the school systems, the teachers you have, there's environment, there's heredity, and there's also soul evolution and um, how we look at life, whether we believe in fate and free will, our religious beliefs, our scientific beliefs, philosophical beliefs, and so on. Nevertheless, Mars and Juno came into what is considered an awkward alignment. This was right before the last uh, new moon. And yet when I wrote the article, I incorporated that and I mentioned, this is in Global Hotspots, it's still on our website, that we're going to have Juno stop, and it's going to stop on the 26th, that Juno would stop its retrograde motion Libra, make a station, 
and I've reported before when planets or any celestial body makes a station, its impact is enhanced for good or for ill. And so this is a whole other thing, what are called stationary positions from the Earth's viewpoint, 93 million miles from the sun, various celestial bodies appear to stop in their forward motion, make a station, go retrograde for so many weeks or months, stop again, go forward. It's at these stationary po points that the, the celestial body's power for good or ill is, is sent like a laser beam into humanity and our consciousness. So at any rate, one, um, the Mars and the Juno, that was even before um, leading up to the time period when uh, George Floyd was killed. Um, I want to refer people back to the previous two podcasts where I shared so much um, about the asteroids, particularly Juno and Pallas Athena. Um, uh, Astroflash, I've already mentioned, Juno and Chiron are in opposition. And that uh, they were, when the United States was born, that was an exact pattern. So um, Juno has a lot to do with society. It has to do with our values. It has to do with whether we're empowered or disempowered in our primary relationships. Part of the difficulty, and I shared this with um, the podcast about the cyclone Amphan that hit um, eastern India and western Bangladesh in that particular podcast, was Juno is considered, when negative also, a goddess of atmospheric storms. And so I read from Eleanor Bach, um, who is such a marvel and who's the, one, the woman, the great astrologer, brought us the first uh, ephemeris for Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta back in 19, uh, 1973. And she was my first physical teacher in Manhattan. I feel privileged and um, honored that I was able to be um, one of her students. So Juno opposite Chiron. Chiron is currently back in the same sign it was in when America was born, but not exactly in the same spot. It's in Aries. So Juno and Chiron were exactly opposite, the closest alignment when the United States was born, July 4th, 1776. And what happened was last November, they formed an opposition in the sky, again, that I, that I articulated in the cosmic calendar. And then they just came back on May, uh, May 2nd, and the problem is, and I didn't know it would be related to all of this, the struggle, but on July 4th, which means that as America celebrates its birthday, we might say a solar return when the sun comes back for America and we have to look at what's going to happen for America over the next year, we're also going to have to deal with Juno and Chiron from Libra to Aries. Once again, like when the country is born, they'll be in a an opposition. Now, an opposition of 180 degrees can be a full moon revelation. It can be an illumination if we have cooler heads, if we're thinking reasonably and logically, and we get we have a peaceful organization about the injustices in America and the violence in America, then all well and good. The problem is that even Chiron, and Chiron, as I've shared in many of the podcasts, has a lot to do with the twilight zone. We know that Chiron is connected to the wounded healer archetype, it has many spiritual qualities. Um, and you can, again, read these archetypes and themes of, of Juno, Pallas Athena, Chiron, the other asteroids and planets in Astro Business Keys on Great Bear Enterprises to refresh your memory. Um, but the, what just happened was the new moon of Aries, which we call the Shambhala uh, full moon, that was back in, in March, uh, that was 
where the sun in Aries was conjunct Chiron, making its annual conjunction. So we, this is part of the pandemic problem that we all entered this kind of twilight zone. Where we're out of chronological time and all of our timing is off kilter. And again, we've got this menace of affecting everyone's health in this country and around the world through the pandemic. So first we had uh, the new moon of Aries uh, and the full moon energy, but in particular it was the new moon of Aries starting that monthly cycle of 29 and a half days back in late March, where the sun was exactly with Chiron making its annual conjunction, triggering the Chiron principle of throwing us all into the twilight zone and having to deal with healing and the lack of healing with the hospitals and the pandemic and what was happening in New York City and so on. And then at the next um, new moon of Taurus, we wound up having that new moon with uh, the planet Uranus, but on the discovery degree of Chiron, that's three plus degrees of Taurus. So that was the Taurus new moon, which happened in late April, exactly on the Chiron discovery degree from when Chiron was discovered. It orbits between Saturn and Uranus, has about a 50 year cycle, um, and it was discovered November 1, 1977. So we had two powerful new moons. We had it in uh, late, late March and late April, both connected to the Chiron principle. And Chiron in general can create a lot of disorder um, because of all kinds of things, but in particular that it does relate a lot to the twilight zone. It relates a lot to whether we're healing ourselves or we're feeling wounded. So again, when we think of what, what just happened with George Floyd, the wounds reopening, having to do with racism, police brutality, and the whole dichotomy of racism throughout the whole history before we even became a country, going back to slavery, before slavery, okay? Explorers coming from um, Europe in places like Spain and Italy and Portugal, and the explorers, France and Germany and England, where, where Native Americans are living in the United States with different tribes, you can go back and look at the map of what what, what the North American and, and Central American and South American continents were like with the Native American populations. And then we see all these explorers and conquistadors coming into this country. And you have to go back to that time period to understand the mess that this is all um, taking place. Um, any rate, um, so I've shared a lot in these points. A couple other points. Um, the Astra Flash... Um, that I wrote about Ceres um, returning uh, the largest asteroid, uh, Ceres, which is where a planet should be based on Bode's law in the solar system. Mercury is in the spot where it should be, where a planet should be. Venus is where it should be, where a planet should be. Earth is where it should be. But between, uh, and Mars is where it should be. But between Mars and Jupiter, we have thousands of bodies. Instead of one solid body, we do have Ceres, and it is a round body that the astronomers finally said they, they elevated it away from being an asteroid or a star-like or planet-like object to being what would they call a dwarf planet. Now, astro um, astrologers have known Ceres since its discovery in 1801, uh, but we didn't have the ephemeris for it until El Eleanor Bach came through and created the first asteroid femme in 1973, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And that's, that, that ephemeride is still in existence. And then there've been other ones uh, since then to give more dates and more times uh, into the future. Nevertheless, Ceres is also returning for the United States. And amazingly enough, 
and I wrote about this before it happened. Uh, this I wrote about it uh, on May 24th, but I knew about it for many months. I didn't know we were going to have the George Floyd murder and the uprising all these cities. But um, series actually returned um, in the last 48 hours, Thursday night and Friday night, when everything started um, going so intense, particularly in Minneapolis, and then spread throughout the country, the series made a return. It's the only stationary body in the United States birth chart of the eight planets, the four main asteroids, and Chiron. There's only one celestial body on July 4th, 1776, Ceres, the largest asteroid or dwarf planet. Why? Because Ceres has to do with Mother Nature. It has to do with the whole idea of America being the melting pot. Ceres has a lot to do with Mother Nature. It has a lot to do with empathy. It has a lot to do with mother-daughter relationships, but also parent-child relationships. It has a lot to do with food and labor and what's been happening. Part of the outrage that we're seeing is beyond racism. Okay, part of it is directly related to to our need to recognize that Black Lives Matter, and that that blacks in particular, uh, Black Americans through slavery and the whole history of the country, that the police departments and the judicial systems and prisons and everything, uh, and then we've just been finding that with the pandemic, that blacks and Hispanics and Native Americans all those groups and minorities in particular, poor people, people who don't have adequate health care, who don't have good homes, who don't have health insurance and all these other things are more prone to become ill and to die. And then we, and in a way, the, the light that just ignited all of this was seeing through the 17 year old who, who was courageous enough to take that particular video of the of the officer who's now finally been arrested. And of course, I think what will hopefully calm down more of the multitudes, and I'm not sure why it hasn't happened yet, again, doesn't make any sense. The other three officers should have all been arrested who didn't do anything, and basically, therefore, are, are accomplices to what the first one did. They can decide what the, you know, how, how the prosecution will go later. But uh, to have that injustice, you know, why does it take so long for somebody on a police force, whereas if it was a, just any other person, the police would have immediately arrested the person. They would have taken those photographs that you see, you know, in the police uh, office, and they'd be in, in jail and have to get a lawyer and, and see whether they could get out on bail or whatever it would be, and this is just not happening. So we see that inequality and injustice. This does uh, connect a lot to series. I mean, if we think about the uh, those incredible pictures about people, hundreds of thousands of cars trying to get food, all the massive unemployment. Now, this all relates back. It is not just the pandemic. This has a lot to do with the government that we have that is not supporting the whole people of the United States. And we're not going to, we, it's pointless to go back into all of that. But this is also part of that struggle. So the, the millions of people now demonstrating in all the cities in America, this is connected to the pandemic. It's connected to having a government, a federal government that is not responsive and does not recognize all of the people. We can't have this kind of division from the center of, of Washington, D.C., uh, of plutocrats and the 1% making it sound like they know everything and they know what's best for the public. Plus, of course, bringing in William Barr, 
who had been attorney general from 30 years ago, as I've shared several times, he is part of the deep state. He is a, such a powerful part of the deep state that it isn't funny. It's, unfortunately, the senators, uh, because the Senate is Republican, he was going to be confirmed anyway. But once he became the attorney general, um, they sort of rounded out this, this trio of president, vice president, and attorney general, this kind of um, not so illuminating uh, trinity, shall we say, uh, within the government. Uh, of course, there are, there are so many people on the right who will say, wow, we really revered, the, they're speaking up for America and so on. Well, I think what we're seeing now um, in these uprisings, because the uprisings are not all black people, they're white people, they're Hispanic people, they're Native American, they're, they're black people who want to, the country to know that black lives matter. But this is so much bigger. This is also um, millions of people being unemployed. These people, and, and what I'm so afraid of is that going around with masks or without masks, being so close to one another, plus tear gas and smoke, and just the volatility and the stress and the anger and all that, and these people going home or sharing their residences, we're going to have more waves again in different parts of the country. And um, this is a different issue than than people coming in from other states to agitate and to burn buildings and to um, to create violence. Because most of the people, we know that the greatest percentage of people are demonstrating in support of Black Lives Matter and justice and fairness and balancing everything out in the country. And for, for all of this to then turn violent, where National Guard and potentially army troops, we'll, we'll talk more about that in part two. Um, this is the one of the great fears, it's been there in the American psyche all along, of a, a dictatorship by um, ar the generals and by the army or by a president uh, leadership that uses those forces to squash democracy. And so we're really on the razor's edge. This is what, I didn't think would happen this fast, but what, what happened from two or three nights ago to last night and now tonight. Uh, by the way, let me add this before I forget. Um, the astrology, which will, I'll get into these charts, but literally um, today, Saturday, Sun and Pluto, this is in the sky, the cosmic calendar, Sun and Pluto 135 degrees, that's, that's fundamentally a square and a quarter. I, I often share these alignments in the cosmic calendar, and sometimes they're not shared in a lot of regular astrology books. Um, when, when planets are separated, or the sun and planets are separated by 45 degrees, half of a square, or 135, which is often called a sesquiquadrate, it's basically a square and then a, a half of a square. Those are tense alignments. So we have the center of the solar system, the sun, the life force today, this was this morning, making 135 degrees to Pluto, which is the planet of the underworld, the planet of extremes, the planet of death and rebirth, and transformation transformation, but Pluto is also the planet of the plutocracy. So um, yesterday, Venus and Saturn were 135 degrees apart. Yesterday, the Sun and Ceres were 90 degrees apart. And today as well, the Moon, um, which we'll get into, the Moon has a lot to do in mundane or Earth astrology with mass consciousness. And the Moon is in Virgo. By the way, where the Moon is today, it just crossed over the Uranus-Pluto conjunctions of the mid-1960s. And those conjunctions take place very infrequently. And the, um, when I did a previous podcast about going back to the 
bubonic plague, the black plague, I found that Uranus and Pluto made a conjunction, the sign of Aries, in 1344, and then the, the, the plague, which had been ongoing in China starting around 1331 and for well over a decade, finally, because in those days, of course, there's no railroad, there's no air travel, it took a long time for the bubonic plague, different than our kind of plague, that, that is more connected to rats and fleas and different kinds of things that came over in ships, um, into Europe in 1347, but then kept spreading as people fled different areas, not knowing that this was a virus or this was passed along in, in different ways through uh, a disease, through an illness. So um, we had a Uranus-Pluto conjunction 1344. And in the mid-60s, during the time of the student revolutions, free, um, the free speech movement that started in Berkeley, California in 1964, then in 1965 and 1966, oddly enough, which is when the World Trade Center buildings went up, we had Uranus and Pluto make three conjunctions in the middle of Virgo. So every month when the moon crosses that spot, and it just happened today, that the moon hit that spot. Now, again, last night was the quarter moon, the first quarter moon, as I said before, as everything was building up to the stress, to this tension, to these explosions of violence. Remember, as I said earlier, and I will repeat again in a future podcast, the first quarter and the third quarter moons are crisis in action at first quarter and crisis in consciousness, particularly at the third quarter, although both quarter moons can show violence. And so we had the quarter moon last night. One of the charts will show that. I'll talk more about it. But we had these other alignments in the sky. And if you had the cosmic calendar, you could have read about what was happening yesterday. And if you have it on your phone or your mobile device, uh, cosmic calendar, again, with a K for calendar, free for each day at a time for your phone or your uh, mobile device, um, then you'll see that today we have Sun, Pluto, 135 degrees. We have Mars and, Ju and Jupiter. They were 45 degrees earlier today. The moon opposite Mars from Virgo to Pisces happened early today. The moon in Virgo squaring Venus and Gemini, that happened earlier today. The moon opposite Neptune from Virgo to Pisces happening as I've been doing this. Um, and the moon also what's called contraparallel to Mars. And that um, is also that happened today. But when I say that happened today, it's also still happening because it doesn't go away immediately. And the reason I'm bringing this up is before we even get to the next full moon, which, which I'll talk about that chart, which is filled with tensions, tomorrow, Sunday, May 31st, moon is with Juno. And Juno, when negative, can be disempowerment in primary relationships and rage and anger by the, by the disenfranchised, by the people who felt belittled. In this case, Black Lives Matter plus the people who are now unemployed, the people who are losing their health care, the people who are uh, on all these lines to get food and who are angry at the federal government because we have Trump and Pence and Barr and we do not have a government that is representative of the people of different national, uh, different racial groups, different um, levels of income and so on. Primarily, most of the time, we see a whole bunch of white men, older white men, many of whom have a lot of money, here and there, there's a woman. Here and there, there's one black person. Um, there's almost no Hispanic um, representation, almost none, no black representation in the leadership of our government, and almost no representation of Native American. Now, even in Minnesota, 
we're seeing um, a variety of people as, as that struggle goes on. We know the police department there is a big problem, and there's some problems with whoever may be the U.S. attorney in a certain area. But there is also some very interesting bipartisan and multifaceted leadership between the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul. So that's important to see. Um, the lieutenant general, who's Native American in Minnesota, the, the Democrat governor. And of course, in Washington, we see the president of the United States blasting Minnesota for um, a left-leaning uh, Democratic mayor of Minneapolis, as he called it, and blasting the Minnesota Democratic governor. So instead of doing something peacefully, instead of doing something that's coordinated, where we're bringing people together from Washington, D.C., we have exactly all of this struggle. Now, one other thing about tomorrow, not only is the moon with Juno, and remember, the moon in mundane astrology has to do with the masses of people, the public consciousness, and people like myself and so many others, older people in particular, who are not going to go out on the barricades, who are not going to be running around where there's tear gas and smoke, uh, people who are older are watching on TV, mostly TV, radio, and other forms, and are horrified, uh, including seeing today Jesse Jackson on TV, uh, uh, Jay Johnson, former um, the Black Homeland um, Secretary uh, under um, the in, during the Obama administration, and um, so many people that are Republican, that are white, that are black, that are Hispanic, who are all trying to plead for uh, peace continuing peace marches and preventing right-wing or left-wing um, agitators and people who are anarchists who just want to destroy and create an environment where it seems as if black people are creating the violence or all the violence when the violence is also coming from other states. By the way, I do want to say something about this, which is really important. Having grown up uh, in the 60s, particularly the year 1968, with the Chicago 7 trial um, what that summer with Chicago and Miami in terms of the conventions that were happening, where uh, Humphrey eventually won the Democratic nomination. And um, then, of course, Nixon got the nomination in Florida, in Miami. But that whole year, with uh, Robert Kennedy being assassinated and Martin Luther King being assassinated and the Vietnam War, war causing Lyndon Johnson not to run, Eugene McCarthy beginning to come in and then Robert Kennedy coming in and then getting murdered and Martin Luther King being murdered in Memphis. That whole year, um, there was also rioting in Chicago. And tonight, uh, today, I saw these riots in Chicago on TV. And I, and I was thrown back to 1968. That's 52 years ago. I was in school. I was writing about all these things um, and horrified what was going on because at that summer, that was the end of my first year as a freshman, I went home to New York and that's where I watched uh, the crazy events during the summer of the two conventions. And you should look at that on YouTube. Anybody who's a, a younger person or my age, and if you think that uh, this, what we're seeing now, like is that why are black people doing this? I mean, just go back and that was um, black Panther movement as well as white movements, uh, Abby Hoffman, um, J Jerry Rubin, all these people, including older um, whites, um, uh, forget his name now, I'll probably remember, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, the uh, white uh, uh, worker uh, 
who brought together so many of the students, then Mary Jane Fonda, Tom Hayden, and um, Bobby Seale. And there was a trial, um, and it was a whole crazy thing. Eventually, um, the people, the Ch Chicago Seven, including Bobby Seale from the Black Panthers, they were all acquitted, but not before craziness of the trial, a judge who didn't know what the heck he was doing. Um, and the reason I bring this up is there's, there's a law on the books. And you see, I don't know why maybe now it's too heated and too crazy, but they're going to get to the bottom of, of who's coming in from other states. In the United States, you cannot go from one state to another to create a riot. And, and again, while it's not that easy to prove, that was part of what was happening with the Chicago 7 trial because Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, they're not, they were not from, um, from Illinois where the convention was in Chicago. And so what happened was is that they were trying to do things peacefully and so on and then became violent with the police of Chicago and they became much more violent than they should have been and there had been peaceful, you could go back into the Wikipedia, all you have to do is look up Chicago 7 trial, 1967, 68, 69, and so on. And so that whole craziness. But the point is, there is a law, there are laws. And it'll be interesting whether the Justice Department, under William Barr, finds people who've crossed state lines. You can't do that in um, to create a riot. So the thing is, while it may not be that easy to prove, there can be many right-wing agitators and people as well, white supremacists, and the law has to be given out fairly. So if it's, as the President of the United States said today, he said something that was very, very disturbing just before he went on the trip. He called out Antifa, which is a left-wing, more radical organization. He is already suggesting um, hopefully the news media will see this, that it's left, the left wing is in there causing trouble because this is what it, this person always does. It's part of his makeup. It's part of his um, routine. I, I don't, don't want to sort of go there. But the thing is, I hear what he had to say and he's already blaming left wing agitators. And oh, the other thing he said is, which was so shocking, and I heard someone on CNN, a reporter, say, what the heck was the president saying? Um, Donald Trump said several times at the same time that he was bringing up that there are agitators on the left. He didn't say the right. He kept on saying, and MAGA, make, he, he made it sound as if MAGA is just a thing rather than individuals. MAGA loves black people. MAGA loves black people. And he said it very um, emphatically. When you get somebody, again, you have to listen carefully to everything that he says and how he says it in what tone. Now, why there aren't any Republicans or conservatives even today, I realize there are all these riots and things going on, but I heard that, and I again, wave of sadness and disappointment mixed with anger that the President of the United States has already um, called out and made assumptions that wh whoever may be agitating this and causing fires and looting and so on, they're not at all his group. His group, according to him, loves the blacks. He didn't say Black Lives Matter. He didn't, you know, the other day he he talked about seeing um, the George Floyd um, video and saying it's bad, it's this and that. But he has not spoke to the nation. He has not spoken to everyone um, as other presidents would. And that is just an absolute shame at this point. Okay, so... 
you got um, a lot of what I'm sharing about the asteroids of these different points. Okay, so in the last 48 hours, um, well, if we go back a week ago, I wanted to mention this, Mars and Ceres actually came together last Sunday, the day before George Floyd was killed, Mars and Ceres. Remember, Mars can be courageous, it can be leadership, but it can also be volatile. So Mars and Ceres came together last Sunday. That was the day before George, George Floyd was killed. So Mars has a two-year cycle. Ceres has about a four-year cycle. So Ceres was about to come back to its natal position in the United States chart. It hadn't done that in four years. I've been mentioning Ceres has to do with labor. It has to do with nurturing. It has to do with comforting. It has to do with the land. It has to do with food. It has to do with parent-child, mother-daughter type relationships. Mars comes in there with Ceres and acts as a knife wound, as a volatile uh, energy. So that was just the day before um, George Floyd was killed. I, what I'm trying to share are the overall astrology cycles that happened before, now, and after in general so that you can see what's going on. And then I'll be more specific in a moment. So um, this is just one piece of paper. I could go on and on from this one piece of paper, but I'm going to shift away from this because otherwise I will never get to the other pieces of paper. So today, um, today I wrote this uh, earlier. This is the revolution that I, in, in so many cities, I, th I thought this would happen a couple of days from now or in the future. But after what happened, um, partly because of the first quarter moon happening yesterday, and the inability in Minnesota to quell or to take to sort of single out who these agitators were. They weren't, I don't think they were, they weren't prepared for it. And again, with the curfew not being recognized, and now we've got curfews in other cities. And after I'm done doing this part one, I'm going to go back and uh, I have my, my TV on record to see all the things that, that I, that I wasn't able to see. But apparently if these numbers are correct, that the Minnesota governor has called in maybe 13,000, it seems like that's too many, National Guard, the most, whatever the numbers are, the most uh, National Guard in Minnesota since World War II. So that also shows uh, with all the thousands and thousands of people in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul as the Twin Cities. Um, so um, let's see what I wanted to say here. So this is, I mean, we're, we still have five months to go before the election. And the question now becomes between the pandemic and all of these insurrections and upheavals and God forbid the inability of each state to be able to use its national guard, then we have the entry. Um, some leaders say would be legal. Others say, well, you never know, depending on how violent things become, where the federal government through the Pentagon can send in the United States army. And that it's, it's one thing to send in something um, of that of that type which happened um, after Rodney King uh, the the people um, the officers who who injured and hurt Rodney King uh, were, were not prosecuted um, the Rodney King event which which I'll relate to in part uh, two happened in 1991 but then it took a long time for the trial of the different police officers and then they didn't go to jail and that created riots in Los Angeles in 1992. And this also goes back to the first administration of George, um, the only administration of George Bush, number one. And I'll share more about that. Like 
um, President Trump, they're both Geminis, and this is important. JFK was the first Gemini sun sign president. Um, the March on Washington, Martin Luther King, the civil rights movements of the, of during JFK's abbreviated 1,000 days in office, that happened with uh, under John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. And then uh, President Bush, number one, was the next Gemini sun sign, and now we have Donald Trump. And in each case, because the United States, when it came into being July 4th, 1776, we have Mars and Gemini, as well as Uranus and Gemini. And the, that combination, Mars and Uranus, and I will share more about that in, uh, in the future with other podcasts about the power of Mars and Uranus, Mars and Neptune. We have Mars squaring Neptune in the United States chart. We have Mars and Uranus both being in Gemini, the sign of the twins. So the presidency under three Gemini sun sign presidents, very, very challenging, lots of chaos, lots of disorder, both nationally and internationally, having to do with the shadow sides of Gemini. And not, not that every single motivation of each president was negative, but that without a lot of clarity and a lot of focus, and with, of course, without an astrology, a national astrology, and an understanding of how mundane astrology works, the astrology of leaders, the astrology of nations, the astrology of states, the, the cosmic calendar cycle uh, where we focus on new moons and quarter moons and full moons and major planetary alignments. If you don't have that understanding, then when you see these crowds and you see these multitudes and you just think it's, it's all pure chaos, it's not all chaos. It is chaotic, but the chaos is being caused or connected to planetary alignments. Okay, so this piece of paper yeah, I wrote down about um, with an exclamation point, Trump before Florida trip calls out Antifa, which is a left-wing volatile group of people who are fed up with excessive capitalism, excessive one percentism of plutocracy, of lack of representation of poor people and um, all minorities within, within governments and within leadership, and just um, the split in society between the haves and the have-nots but as well as economic different kinds of things. So there, yes, there is a group or groups of people, whether they're called the Antifa or they're just people who want balance and harmony in society and they hap happen to have more of what we would call a left-wing universal, let's all care about each other philosophy, kind of um, that the roots of our society and things need to come from the ground up rather than from the top down. Uh, but of course, we have the white supremacist crowd, the people with the AK-47s, the people who came into uh, the Lansing Capitol. And again, that whole story, um, which happened just a couple of weeks ago, uh, where they wanted uh, the governor, Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer there to open up the state because they didn't like the fact that they were losing their jobs and wanted to assert their freedom and not really realizing the medical problems and and how terrible it can be for everybody to congregate without mass and for those people to march into the Lansing State Capitol with AK-47. As other people have said, um, the police, whatever happened there, maybe they weren't prepared for it, but if that was a group of black armed individuals or blacks and uh, Hispanics and Native Americans all marching in with weapons, it would have been bloody and violent and all kinds of arrests and for them to even allow those people into the state capitol. So that was, I wanted to remind everyone, that was the time period that the President of the United States, instead of calling for peace and calm, he said something which also included Minnesota. He came out and said, liberate 
there were three tweets. Liberate Michigan, exclamation point. Liberate Minnesota. Let's not forget about that. That was one of the states. Liberate Minnesota, exclamation point, and liberate Virginia, exclamation point. And it was what we saw at that point was the violence was in the in the state capital of Lan, uh, of Michigan, Lansing. And uh, this really upset me because that's where I went to school. East Lansing is right next to Lansing. And that's where I went to school. And 50 years ago, I was a writer for their uh, new, great newspaper. And that's how I got my start in journalism. When I saw that happening, and then I saw so many different people in the media saying, what if that was a group of black people uh, with AK-47, AK-47s and just bursting into the state capitol? Well, wouldn't, they wouldn't have even been able to get in there, let alone be in there milling around, plus the, the, the problem of everything having to do with the pandemic and not necessarily wearing masks and so on. And so the president came out, and one of the things, and that's why this is important, he put uh, Minnesota in his own crosshairs. He said, liberate Minnesota. And part of the reason is that Minnesota went to Hillary Clinton, but just barely. Meanwhile, the president knows he needs to win Minnesota or that he would like to win Minnesota because now his prospects of winning Michigan, which he had won by 10,000 votes and he won Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, he needs to hold all those three. Otherwise, he's in serious trouble against Joe Biden, whoever the running mate is. So when he said liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota, liberate Virginia, um, Michigan he had already won last time, but barely. And of course, the the polls are showing he probably won't win it now. Well, he, he would like to win Minnesota because he almost won it. And so that's why he included Minnesota. And Virginia, he lost to Hillary Clinton. So if he regained, if he got Minnesota and Virginia, it would make up for losing Michigan. So th- there is a deviousness here. There is a calculation to all of this. It's not just, oh, why did he say this weird thing about liberate those three states? Why didn't he, why didn't he say every state of the union? I mean, that's what he was actually thinking. Like, he wants to create this tension. He doesn't want to bring everyone together. We know that. So let's, let's just be honest about that. Anyway, he, he called out the Antifa. He didn't say, and right-wing terrorists, or, hey, white supremacists, don't take to the streets. Don't cross state lines, because that he didn't say, he doesn't even know that that's a law. It is. You cannot cross state lines to perpetrate a, um, a riot. It's, it's a literal kind of uh, a law, and you have to prove it, but that's a law in the books, and I don't hear anybody talking about that. So the other thing was where he said um, MAGA, as if it's an entity, loves blacks. He didn't say anything about um, let's be peaceful and calm because black lives matter. And that's just a ridiculous thing. Just like he said before, things like had we done nothing, uh, about the coronavirus, had we done nothing, we could have had 2 million people dying. As if to say, well, look, we only have 100,000 right now, and how much he's contributed to to the fact that we didn't have 2 million because if we had done nothing. And I said this once before, no one was going to do nothing. That is not a valid point of anything. No one was going to do nothing. So you can't create straw men that don't exist and then make it sound like, you know, you're the savior of America. It, it is the fact that there are four out of every 10 people who somehow believe what he's saying or give validity to it is astounding. It's just astounding. Uh, maybe some of the people are waking up and looking at it and 
clearly seeing what's happening now and what the president is not doing, all the things he isn't doing now and all the things he is doing to make matters worse. Okay, so um, I had reminder. Oh, I know the big thing is that, what was it, two, um, two podcasts ago, I brought back the fact that when I started all the podcasts back in May of 2019, the first 17 podcasts were all about the United States Secondary Progress Sun and the United States Secondary Progress Palace based on July 4th, 1776. I had seen it earlier, years before the election even started, and I had it in notes that the Sun and Palace Athena would conjoin or uh, come together at 15 degrees of Pisces. When the United States came into being, even though we had not discovered Palace Athena till 1802, when, the, when we look at the charts for July 4th, 1776, the moon and Pallas Athena are at the same degree, 26 plus degrees of Aquarius. So the, that's why I've shared so much about Pallas Athena. And a year ago with the Mueller trial, Pallas Athena, has, and I've been reading articles from Eleanor Bach, the great uh, American astrologer about the asteroids, about what Pallas Athena means personally and collectively, universally, spiritually, and so on because Pallas Athena is so connected to knowledge and wisdom and problem solving and strategizing, as well as justice and injustice, as well as defending, even when we think of a Pentagon or how we defend ourselves as a nation to create safety and security, which is more connected to Vesta. And again, Pallas Athena has to do with patterns and seeing patterns and people who are geniuses in chess and people who are weavers and crafters there's so many areas of life, industry, and again, as I've shared recently, immunology having to do um, with DNA and the genetic code and all the patterns of life and seeing different patterns and understanding them, whether in craft work or in gaming and computers and in terms of foiling, hacking, all of these things connect up in many ways to Pallas Athena. So the, the confusion in America, the, the thing that... Um, this year be became even more difficult was last May and last summer when I was reporting the first 17 podcasts about the progressed United States sun, what's called the secondary progressed chart, where each day after birth is equal to a year of living. There are different kinds of progressions. There's solar arc progressions. There's tertiary progressions. There's minor progressions. Just We know that, at, again, most astrologers will or astrology students, when you get your chart done, You'll get your natal chart and then what are called the transits. Where are the planets today, last week, next week, last year, next year, to give me a sense of where I'm going. What most students don't get a chance to do, because it's either costly or they don't have the time, are secondary progressions. The progress chart goes back not to today, this year, 2020, it's to whenever you were born. If you live 90 years, then each day after your birth, during the year that you were born, each one of those days is a kind of progress chart for that year. The moon moves the fastest. The sun moves about one degree every day. In this system, a day equals a year, and there are reasons why that happens. So with, for the United States, we're now, well, last year when I did the podcast, the country was um, 243 years old. 1776, you had 243 years, you get 2019. So the, the progressions, what we call the secondary progressions for our country, you'd go 243 days after July 4th, 1776, 
there'd be a day in the spring of 19, uh, excuse me, uh, of 1777. So 243 days after July 4th, 1776 is the progressive chart for the United States. And in that chart, the sun and palace merged. They had never been together before. The country was born when the moon and palace were together at 27 degrees of Aquarius. But the sun was in the sign Cancer when the United States was born. And it took, through progressed analysis or the progressed system, it wasn't until last year, right during the Mueller trial and things beginning with impeachment and whether the Russians had hacked into uh, our, our system uh, a couple of years before. So, in, for instance, in 2017, 2018, before we got to 2019, the progressed sun in the United States chart and the progressed palace Athena were getting closer. They were so close that in astrology, as you may know, there are orbs. So you don't have to have an exact pattern exact conjunction or opposition or square. You can have an approaching alignment and you still feel the energies and the vibes. So it was all during 2017 and 18 before the president made a lot of the other mistakes that happened in 2019. And then the Mueller report coming out and exactly with the Mueller report coming out in May of last year, I did these 17 podcasts all basically connected to the progressive chart of the United States and the sun and palace together, and that degree is 15 of Pisces. But here's the difference. At the end of this year and into the beginning of 2020, Sedna, which wasn't discovered until November 2003, when the United States was born, and because it's so far away, even in the United States progressed chart, had never moved. It's sitting at 15 plus of Pisces, just beyond the sun-palace conjunction. So what happened at the beginning of this year, and remember, we almost went to war against Iran. And while the pandemic was unfolding and we didn't know what was happening, in the progressive chart of the United States, which I gave in two podcasts ago, I think it's in 48, number 48, you'll see a secondary progress chart for the U.S. And you'll see on the right side of the chart, you'll see the sun symbol, the circle with the point, the palace symbol, the diamond on, uh, with over across, and then SED for Sedna. Uh, and they're all together in a conjunction. So both the natal and the progressive uh, energies of Sedna have been illuminated by the solar progression for the United States and the palace Athena position. They're all together, the triplicity, all three of them. And Sedna has a lot to do, if you understand the mythology, I would recommend again in our Earth Aquarius News section, the article I wrote, Eris on Sedna for Donald Trump at, the, at his inaugural, which is the January 20th, 2017 inaugural. And you can read more about Sedna and Eris there and their meanings and how I discovered just by accident that when he was inaugurated, Eris moving very, very slowly as a faraway planet discovered in January 2005 would be exactly no orb to the degree and minute of, of Donald Trump's Sedna. So he's having Eris on Sedna at that point. So his whole administration the Trump-Pence administration, the whole four-year cycle, not just that moment, has an Eris-Sedna component, which is also why we had the Me Too demonstrations and all the millions of women in, in Washington, D.C. the day after that, January 21, 2017, in all of the world because of the behavior of Donald Trump. So remember, we've had the whole Me Too movement, the, all the sexual uh, allegations against the President of the United States in particular that he says never happened, and we know that that's not totally true. 
the whole uh, thing with the hush money to the different starlets and the playboy kind of thing and on and on. And yet none of that has ever gone anywhere. And his supporters say, oh, they believe that it's a hoax, that it's a witch hunt, whatever. And people who know Donald Trump, who, who come from New York City like myself, leaders and just people who've lived in New York before the, the Apprentice, the real Donald Trump, the person who's never been a Republican, the person who's never been a conservative, and the person who actually loves debt. And he would even say it now. He's been a king of debt. That, that's how he's financed everything. The, the real estate empire, the golf courses, the casinos, everything that's not part of the Celebrity Apprentice. That's how, unfortunately, so many Americans, wow, look at this guy, Celebrity Apprentice, you know, such an intriguing show. You know, you're fired, this and that. Well, that's not who the real person is. So when I look at what's happening, I, I can't take my eyes off the progressions. This, this is astrology at work on a very deep level. And most students of astrology, most astrologers as well, don't function in the world of secondary progressed charts. They, anyone who's a professional astrologer knows that they exist. But most of the secondary progressed interpretations are for the astrologer himself or for his clients, right? Or if you're lucky enough to discover this. Now, in on our website, in the astrology shop, as I shared before, there's a Skylog report that has transits and progressions for you, as long as you have know your day, month, and year, obviously, city, state, country, and your time. And as long as your time is fairly accurate. Skylog is the best written report. Goes for six months or a year. There's discounts now. There's also Timeline, another style report, but also transits and progressions. It's in a different by a different author. And then we also have life progression reports by a woman astrologer, a female astrologer, a whole different thing, all on secondary progressions. So I'm making a big case about that and about the cosmic calendar and so on, so that you know what we're seeing in America now is aside from the charts that I'm presenting, you go back to chart 48 and you go back to the series of podcasts from last year, the progressed chart of the United States is not insignificant. And also, I know, I don't usually mention this, but in the progressions for the United States, we're having Mars opposite Chiron. When the United States came into being, Chiron and Juno are opposite. As I said before, that, that actually is happening and will happen again on July 4th as a transit. In the secondary progress chart, though, for the United States from last year and still now, Mars, which is in Libra and which stopped um, in the United States uh, chart back in 2006. So that was during the um, second uh, Bush-Cheney administration. And that's what led, in many ways, not recognizing the station of Mars in the United States chart. I had written about it uh, over and over again before it happened as a warning, both for our economy and for the country itself and for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and all this other violence. And of course, I wrote about it just to inform my readership and being on coast to coast on that radio show and so on. But we have a station, we have a retrograding Mars. And that, and by the way, that in the progress chart, uh, see, for instance, later this year, and I've already reported this, Mars and Eris are, are going to come into a conjunction three times in Aries. And that has not happened since I was born in 1950. So for the last 70 years, we've had Mars and Aries every two years. But anytime Mars has gone retrograde in the Taurus uh, Aries part of the Zodiac, it has not made a conjunction to Eris until this year. This year, when Mars goes retrograde, 
well, even before it happens, we're going to have three Mars-Eris conjunctions. And, I, and I've already articulated about that, and I gave out a chart for the first one. I didn't give a chart for the other two. Now that we have this going on, and that Mars will be retrograde during the time of the election, this will happen in late September, into October, into November, that Mars will be retrograde in its own sign. Right now we have Venus retrograde in Gemini. So sometimes retrogrades beyond Mercury are time periods of disorder, of miscalculations and misinformation. It's not that the planet is bad. I've shared this before, particularly in the podcast, um, The Truth About Mercury Retrograde, based on a series of articles and cover story I did in Welcome to Planet Earth 20 years ago and, and longer than that. So when Mercury goes retrograde or when Venus, right now Venus is retrograde, later in the year Mars being retrograde, those planets are not bad. Okay, it's not that they're bad, they're, that they're misbehaving. It's just that human beings oh, don't do the things that they need to do. Actually, when planets are going retrograde, they're stronger in their own reality because they're no longer going in the direction of the sun and moon, which in a way in astrology can seem like the authoritarian figures because they're always going forward. Meanwhile, because we're 93 million miles from the sun and we see things from a skewed viewpoint, every celestial body will have its own retrograde cycles. Of course, Mercury retrogrades uh, is a fast-moving body and we have generally three three-week uh, time periods when Mercury is retrograde. So now in the sort of, if you go to Google or Safari, if you type in Mercury retrograde and you look at images, you'll see all these colorful things of road signs and different things, Mercury retrograde. And people love to blame miscues and mis misinformation and all that when Mercury's retrograde. But guess what? Uh, when Mercury goes direct uh, or is direct as it's going now, there's plenty of misinformation. There's plenty of volatile communication. And remember, Mercury don't, doesn't just rule, uh, rule over communication. Traditionally, it has ruled over transportation with Jupiter. They are the two traditional rulers of what we call the mutable signs, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. So Mercury, while it has a lot to do with communication and writing and language and things like that, words, um, also has a lot to do with health and business and trade and also has a lot to do with with how we transport ourselves or how we move around, just like uh, air is moving and wind is moving and Mercury is connected to that. So um, any rate, uh, this progression, see part of the problem with Sedna and its mythology, and again, because Sedna is so far away, just like Eris is far beyond Pluto, the archetypes of the mythologies tend to be skewed in a negative way. You can read about Sedna, and one of the things you'll find as a goddess energy is that she gets banished or pushed to the bottom of the ocean. She befriends uh, mammals and different uh, sea mammals and so on. She becomes a kind of a, a goddess of the depths of the ocean. But the depths of the ocean, particularly in this particular mythology, are coming from the Arctic, and that she's, she's ruling over kind of the coldest areas in the depths of the ocean. So coldness and freezing, frozen cold, cold energies, and the idea of the feminine having been repressed. And let's let's think about this too. With when George Floyd said, "I can't breathe," you know, when you're underwater, okay. When you're, um, I'm I'm just saying in general. I mean, we're a Cancerian country: Sun, Venus, Jupiter, Mercury, uh, in the sign of Cancer. We're born born as a country, and Mercury is opposite Pluto in general, within three degrees, and Mercury is retrograde. We've got all this Cancerian energy, and can't, the shadow side of, of the sign Cancer can represent 
uh, a defensiveness, like just like the image of the crab. Now, there are other symbols of cancer, like the cat, the domestic cat. Go back to ancient Egypt. Uh, the cat is a, is a very powerful symbol for cancer, as well as the dog in Egyptian mythology. But the idea of the crab of protecting sort of one's inner life and creating a shell uh, of protection is kind of like, in many ways, the police departments around the country of how they've protected themselves and the, the legal system and the justice system and so on. So we have um, a, a person just like uh, Eric Garner from Staten Island who died in a similar way, I think it was about six years ago, and whose name is being evoked now because of, of what happened with George Floyd. I can't breathe. And I know tomorrow on CNN, there will be a show about black men in America and it's called I Can't Breathe. So that's a plug for that. Uh, I think, it, I, I don't know the exact time, but if you, um, in fact, by the time this comes out, that'll that'll already have appeared, but they tend to rerun things. So just know that later in the week to come or beyond that, it's called I Can't Breathe. It's probably at least an hour, maybe two hours, and it's on CNN. For those of you who wanna um, see what they have to do undoubtedly with interviews and what just happened and with what's been happening over the last several years. But the other thing was that we know that George Floyd, who is a very tall fellow, uh, six foot seven, I believe, was calling out for his mother. And apparently, maybe, I'm not sure about this 100%, whether um, his mother is still living or not. I know he has many family members and there've been pictures of them on uh, TV or YouTube in different places. But he was calling out for his mother and so the idea of calling out is kind of ironic because the sun sign of America is the sign cancer, which is the archetypal mother sign. In a sense, that call, I can't breathe, when we're underwater and um, we, we, we're not able to breathe anymore, we're not able to have air coming into our lungs and we, we eventually die from that, I can't breathe and calling out for a mother, which is the life force where we came from, and the country that we're a part of, and which is also relating to the sign cancer where there are four celestial bodies in the United States birth chart. So I think what he said, what he cried out is so important and that's echoing throughout all, all this crisis. Okay, so there's the United States progress chart. Um, there's so many other things that, uh, oh yeah. Uh, Frank Fulguzzi from the former, from the FBI, who had been on TV a lot regarding the Mueller probe, was on TV uh, yesterday, and he was talking about anarchism, the anarchists that are part of all this. So that was there where he shared um, on the 11th hour about that, um, and the dangers of getting everything ratcheted up where the U.S. military, beyond the National Guard, could come in. Um, so let's see, that's part of these notes. I can put that piece of paper aside. Um, what I wanted to also mention on another piece of paper, uh, and one of the magazines, I don't know if I'll show the cover, it's called What Flags Will Fly in the 1990s? I, before um, the, art, the magazine that is part of this one about, well, it's called Justice in America, Is There Equality Under the Law? Gemini 1991, Welcome to Planet Earth. I'll be reading from that. In the next magazine, so you can do you can see the the interesting cover story, the cover image that we created for that particular magazine from 29 years ago. Uh, I'll, um, I will be reading about that, but I'm also going to be reading from 
Um, a year later, Gemini 1992, when the Rodney King verdict came in and what happened in Los Angeles, and I'm looking here at the cover, I think I'll run this also, because it's a very evocative cover. Which flags will fly in the 1990s, the Aquarius 1990 issue, where we have a red, black, and green sort of combination flag, and under the red banner is, in big letters, revolution, under the black, in red letters, is anarchy, and under the green is peace in white letters. And although um, there is not an article just on that subject, in that edition, as I went back in time, um, I wrote about the, ro uh, the rise of a playwright, which was Vaclav Havel becoming the Czech president uh, because of the issues around the world, and also the death of a dictator, which was also very interesting about uh, Nikolai Ceausescu, the death of a dictator. So those appeared on pages three and four. So I will actually run that cover story to show the, the reason this is that I want you to see all this is that in astrology, we were already doing this. Okay. What we're seeing is the latest upheaval. There's another magazine, which I, I don't know if I'll do the cover, but it appeared in Taurus 1991, tw also 29 years ago. It was actually a cover story about the Phantom of the Opera, a musical revelation of the Pluto Persephone myth. However, in that edition, uh, and it's interesting, uh, did a, a profile of Robert De Niro at that time, and we know that Robert De Niro is one of the biggest uh, persons who calls out the president as a lunatic. Uh, and I'll have more to say about lunacy and uh, the president's birth chart. But I have an article about the Rodney King beating with that chart from March 3rd of 1991. From that edition. Uh, so the next part, I will be reading from those articles as well as when I had my original birth name. I mentioned this before. I was born under the name Lawrence Lerner. I changed my name to Mark when I was at Fintorn. Had has a lot to do with different things I was studying to, to Mark. But I was when I was in college, I was under when I was writing, I was under Larry with my first name. So I may have my picture, you'll see me there as a almost 19-year-old. I don't know if I'll, ha I'll have this in the on Great Bear Enterprises with the other covers and so on, but that story is Malcolm X, Life and Death, and um, I will also read from that. So we're going to keep going here, um, and then I'm going to go over these charts. That's the next group of things I want to do in this recording, and then part two will be reading from the Astrology Magazine, of so many of the great astrologers. In this case, I'll be reading primarily my own articles or pretty much all of my stuff. Nothing against the other astrologers, but many of those people, I don't even have permission to read from their stories, so I can only really read from my own. I took the uh, step of running from Eleanor Bach and what she wrote uh, in two of the podcasts because she passed away 25 years ago and her story is so powerful that I felt compelled to share her words of wisdom. And um, I did it from a very honorable position. So I, I believe that was okay to do. And again, pretty much in the magazine is under the general copyright of Great Bear Enterprises and so on. But I don't want to be reading stories from astrologers who are active in doing their work unless I would get their permission. And uh, I don't have that with some of the other people. But I did write a number of these stories about Injustice in America and the Rodney King um, story of 1991 and 1992 and what I wrote at when I was 19, year, 19 years old 
about Malcolm X when I was at Michigan State. So I will read those because they are part of that astrology of that time period. And I want people to understand that um, we were already doing this and that the field of astrology can look forward and also look back and that we are able to understand these cycles. One cannot necessarily predict the future like a Nostradamus, but we can know where the planets are going to be. We can know where the celestial bodies are going to be, whether new moons, quarter moons, full moons, major planetary alignments, and then be able to sort of anticipate whether there are time periods coming up that are more crisis oriented or not. So the other thing that struck me in all of this um, is yesterday, President Trump wound up doing two things. He basically put all the blame for the World Health Organization and his own ineptitude and him. Look, we have the evidence where he was saying this is going to disappear with the pandemic. It's a hoax. Uh, well, not so much it's a hoax, but that it's being overblown by Democrats and it's going to disappear and all the things he didn't do until he finally realized, oh, my God, this is actually a serious thing. And but blaming China. So now the the whitewashing the, during this election time, because he desperately needs to to win. Otherwise, he'll be open to prosecution by the next administration. And so would Bill Barr as a former attorney general. We'd have a different attorney general. So we have to understand that what we're going to see now in the months ahead, particularly not just with the pandemic, but with now this this horror story of, of what's happening with National Guard and violence and uprisings, not just in Minneapolis or Los Angeles or Atlanta, but tonight, just about everywhere. I mean, it's also happening in our own area of, of greater Eugene and in Portland, Oregon and so on. So sure, there might be somewhere in Utah, possibly that isn't, there aren't riots or maybe not in Montana or maybe not in Wyoming. There's going to be a couple of states here and there where they're not going to have the cameras or whatever it is, but it's pretty much in major cities. And that's another thing to be aware of. Um, Pallas Athena, again, remember, is conjunct the moon of the United States birth chart. And as I shared, Pallas Athena is part of the secondary progress position with the sun for the United States and, um, and Sedna, the, the triple conjunction in the United States progress chart. So Pallas Athena... Uh, as I was reading from uh, Eleanor Bach's work, is relating to cities and industry and economics and things like computers and technology to preserve our way of life. And what we really know is that the President of the United States, even though he has gone, you know, in this perpetual tour, at least until recently, before the pandemic hit, of going all, all to these cities with the MAGA hats and all that and riling up all these different people all the time, it's something he loves to do, and he lashes out at Democrats, calling hoaxes and this and that, and he basks in that particular environment. Now, again, why he does that or the psychological reasons why he needs to keep doing that, but the key thing is that what, he, what he's been bashing a whole lot over the years uh, in the past, as well as during his presidency, are mayors of cities and cities themselves, and whereas he looks at more of like as Nixon did with the silent majority, the idea of all the rural areas and, of course, the Republican-ruled states that are more affiliated with him. But he fundamentally, look, he's fled from New York City. He's no longer a New York City resident. Um, he declared that recently. Of course, he didn't win New York City when he was running against Hillary Clinton. 
and he's fundamentally a resident now of Florida with with um, his estate there. So um, he is against cities, and China just decided to lower the hammer on Hong Kong, and we can't get into the whole thing there, but in 1997, Hong Kong was turned over from, from the British Empire, which it had fundamentally been in control of, Hong Kong as a major cosmopolitan area. Of course, there's many people who are from China living in Hong Kong, and um, they turned it back over to the People's Republic of China, which is a totalitarian regime, even though it has so much power and its economy has changed. And now this week, um, the Communist Party in Beijing decided, okay, we're going to assert our control over Hong Kong, which basically means all kinds of changes of lack of freedom and lack of democracy there. And while initially um, our State Department with Mike Pompeo and President Trump, we started hearing, oh, this is, you know, you can't do that. We're not seeing the support of the Democratic folks there because of course they don't want to come out and keep talking about freedom of all the citizens of hong kong and instead they've come up with this really lame situation of basically saying oh well we're no longer going to sort of connect even it's almost like we're going to unrecognize hong kong or we're only going to recognize hong kong not as a separate entity which which it sort of was considered during the last 23 years that the uh, People's Republic of China would not put their totalitarian government into Hong Kong. That was the agreement by which the um, the United Kingdom gave its power or territorial right over to China, and China agreed to that. So well, now China is changing its plan. It's basically saying, "Look, we're not going to allow these uh, people in in Hong Kong to have all these different freedoms." And basically, the United States is sort of thrown in the towel um, and. This is a terrible thing. So what's happening in that part of the world, and which was announced on Friday, and the demonstrators, in the, they're not concerned about that. They're concerned about uh, marching for George, George Floyd and all these other people who've been killed by police and all the inherent racism in the country that is also represented by the, the present government in the United States in, in Washington, D.C. So I, I wrote a note about all this because we have all these other epidemics going on. We still have the drug the opioid epidemic, we've got the pandemic, right? And now we, internationally, um, the blame game is on because over the next couple of months, I'm sure the president of the United States has decided, look, if we keep blaming China enough and everybody knows that's where it came from, regardless of the fact that he did not, you know, get get on top of this, he, he says he did, but he didn't. We went over this many times. You know, he said, oh, I stopped flights from China on January, whatever it was, and he claims before anybody else did anything. And what he doesn't say is he only prevented na uh, Chinese nationals from coming in. All the Americans that were in China, they all were able to come home. And they did the same thing with the Americans that were in Europe. He, he blocked Italians from coming here. Uh, well, he didn't immediately do it on his March 11th speech from the Oval Office. He said 72 hours from now, uh, and this was, again, a diss. He, he hated the fact that Europe had opened itself up to immigration, just as he's been using the border thing to prevent immigration from Mexico and uh, Central America, claiming they're druggists, they're rapists, and so on. And that whole situation of children in cages and um, ICE and all these different organizations, that still hasn't ended. 
it's not as if just because it's not on the headlines, it doesn't mean that agents aren't going around and doing all those things and um, that there's still all these crises going on. That's still happening. So um, at any rate, that whole story of what was happening in Washington, D.C. Um, regarding um, China, of trying to get stern with China and blame them for everything, when we know that President Trump was calling, um, didn't do anything to protect America for six weeks. And the whole fight between the World Health Organization, the CDC, and now uh, he wants, uh, the other thing that he said on Friday was, I'm not going to give it, we're not going to give any money at all to the World Health Organization. And part of the reason this is such, so ridiculous is for another pandemic or for solving this one, right, through vaccinate, eventually vaccinations, the world has got to do this together. So what's going to, what's happening here is the more, again, where he pulls away and blames China instead of trying to work things out, regardless of how it started in China, that we need to sort of work more fervently with the World Health Organization. So instead of blaming them for the World Health Organization is under uh, China's uh, dominance, which is what he was saying the other day, when if we're going to solve the whole issue, um, we can't just have it America. And what he doesn't realize is what if the vaccine that works comes out of England or France or Germany or comes out of China? Uh, and then how's he going to walk back this whole situation? And, oh, yeah, well, we'll give money to the World Health Organization later. What, what is he going to do? Say, oh, now that you have the vaccine and we really need it. We don't know where the vaccine is going to come from. And, of course, we have the whole anti-vaccine movement. We've got that whole issue going on. Okay, well, there's probably a whole bunch of other... There's a couple more pieces of paper. I'm almost to the point where I can go over the charts. But I did want to say this, and I find this ironic. This is like staring us all in the face. What are Minneapolis and St. Paul called? They're called the Twin Cities. And they're the only place in the United States called the Twin Cities on that level. And that's where the Minnesota Twins baseball team plays. Well... While Gemini is not necessarily the sun sign of Minnesota as a state, okay, we'll go over the Minnesota chart in a moment, we have the President of the United States as a sun sign Gemini. We have um, Vice President Pence as a sun sign Gemini. Um, William Barr is a sun sign Gemini. Um, <laughs> we, uh, Giuliani, uh, former mayor of New York, is a sun sign Gemini. There are so many different Geminis. Now, again, there are illustrious and amazing unsigned Geminis in, in the world. Men, women, children around the world. But when Gemini is negative and we get plutocracy and we get corruption and we get the 1% and we get white supremacy and the whole history of America, then we get skewed misinformation, we get control, and we, we get a manipulation that is really dire. So I just thought it's ironic and shocking uh, you know, again, oh, the Twin Cities. And again, let's not forget, the, there's only one sign of twins in the Zodiac, even though uh, Sagittarius is considered a double-bodied sign of a human being and a horse. Um, and Pisces is not the fish. It's actually two fish uh, entwined together, so a kind of double fish. But the twins, going back to ancient Rome, uh, Romulus Remus, the idea of the two brothers or two human beings tied together. So I don't think it's an accident, again, that we have president and vice president who are both Geminis. 
we're also entering the air age of Jupiter and Saturn conjunctions. Now they will come together, as I've shared before, on December 21 in Aquarius. But then 60 years after, uh, uh, excuse me, every 20 years is when Jupiter-Saturn uh, conjunctions occur. This is the gr a great mutation from Earth signs of Jupiter-Saturn, which started in 1841 through 2000, except for the aberration of, of 1980, uh, where Jupiter-Saturn three times was in Libra. But otherwise, uh, 1841, 1861, 1881, 1901, 1920, 21, um, 1940, 41, 1960, uh, and 2000, Jupiter-Saturn in Earth signs. Okay, so December 21, Jupiter and Saturn, zero Aquarius. And then 20 years later, then 20 years after that, and so on, all the way into the 22nd century, for approximately 180 years, Jupiter and Saturn will be in air signs. But the way I see this is we've had the first um, leadership. I mean, we had the first President Bush, Bush son in Gemini uh, with Dan Quayle. Now, Dan Quayle was a sun sign Aquarius, so he was also an air sign, interestingly enough, just like Ronald Reagan was sun in Aquarius. So we had Dan Quayle as a very inexperienced vice president under George Bush. He was a sun sign Aquarius. But the president, who only lasted one term, was a sun sign Gemini with JFK, He's born with the sun in Gemini, and he chose Lyndon Johnson, who's born right on the cusp of Leo and Virgo, mostly Virgo. Uh, don't have his chart right in front of me. So this is the third Gemini president we had with a vice president who's also a sun in Gemini. And, it, and we don't know uh, Mike Pence's birth time, but his moon could also be in Gemini. That's a little debated. We don't know his birth time, so he, he might very well have a Cancer moon, which would then make his moon line up with the United States Sun and Venus and Jupiter. So uh, unless somebody gets his birth time, uh, and we know that it's accurate, we, but we knew that do know that Mike Pence, like the president, is a Gemini Sun. And so they, we have the twin leaders of the country, and they couldn't be more different, and yet they're both seemingly in the Republican conservative zone. Now, Mike Pence is definitely a Republican conservative. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, just go through his history and who he is, and very religious. The President of the United States, on the other hand, is, uh, I, I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, the person is the most liberally, I mean, and, and I don't say this in a favorable way, so liberal, so changeable, so inconsistent, so back and forth and split in his personality. And again, we'll get into some of this at another point. I've already shared a lot about it. That to think that he is in any way a Republican conservative, this is all an act. And it's also because his Venus and Saturn are in a conjunction exactly in the United States Mercury uh, in Cancer. And there are other reasons for why he has sort of taken control of now what is a vapid and... Uh, soulless Republican conservative party, which is why there's so many conservatives and Republicans who are, who are part of the Lincoln project and who are supporting whoever the Democrats bring up and so on. But the twin cities that are at the center of this and where the whole George Floyd episode, it's pretty extraordinary that they are the twin cities. And this is where the twins of the government, or it's almost a triplicity of twins if we include William Barr, that they're on the same page. Hey, we're going to bring in, if you need federal troops and if you can't control it, and where the president of the United States is already dissing the mayor, and if, if, he, had, if he knew the name of the mayor of, of St. Paul, who's also uh, a Democrat, he would be dissing him as well. 
as well as the Democratic um, governor. So Minnesota and Minneapolis and St. Paul, they're struggling. And now we have this all over the country. And yet we still do not have a president who's supporting all of us 100% and who's speaking to the nation from heart and soul and spirit. So that's been lost in the whole shuffle, which is just really sad. Okay, um, let's see. I think I just want to go. There are other... Oh, I know. There is something else that I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, two things. So back to the pandemic for a moment. Um, just a couple of days ago, um, this was right after the Juno station of May 26th. So on Wednesday, the 27th, there was an article from the Washington Post. Very important from a lot of experts. Uh, and I just want to share this. I'm not going to read from it, but my notes that the coronavirus may never go away. Even this is my notes may never go away, even with a with a, a vaccine. And what they're talking about is that it'll go from being a pandemic to an endemic um, health crisis. And what they reported was there are four different coronaviruses that cause the common cold. People forget the common cold is, is connected to coronavirus. The, what's happening here is this is a novel one. It's never been out there before. But as they would say, this would become the fifth, eventually would develop into the fifth coronavirus. And four of them produce just what we call a cold. But where we get the influenza energies simultaneously with this. So um, at any rate, that was an alarming story. And that appeared on May 27th. So uh, let's see. Um, Juno stationary. Uh, again, Juno is coming back um, this summer. This is important. August 14th will make its third return um, in its cycle in the United States birth chart. And the Democratic Convention, which was supposed to happen in Milwaukee in July, has been moved to starting, I think it's August 17, somewhere around there, a week before the Republican one. Now, again, President Trump is threatening, this is another thing that just happened in the last week, of all things, threatening the Democratic governor of North Carolina, Roy Cooper, that he won't, he doesn't, he won't have the convention in Charlotte where it's been planned, which would be a major thing for the Republicans to pull out. And the President of the United States at this moment, if you can believe it, wants full reign of having a convention and if need be, no masks at all. And he wants to force the governor to accept that, even though we have no idea what's going to happen. And that convention is still not going to happen uh, for almost three months. And if the governor doesn't agree, then Trump is going to move, at, move the convention to another city and another state who will agree to what he wants, which again, just like the whole thing of mentioning things about hydrocloxy, I won't even be able to pronounce it, the drug that he said he was taking that we now know the FDA is saying don't take it, hydroxychloroquine. That particular drug, and the president then said, we don't know truthfully or not whether he's really taking it. He, he made it sound like he was and so on. And we never know. I mean, there was no proof that he's actually taken it. He may have just said it to back up his claim. Uh, and we probably will never know whether he really took it or not. So um, we have all of these very scary things going on. And basically, they're all divisive. That's the important thing. We're not, you know, I was wondering, and I'll just say this. 
we still have a couple ex-presidents. We have three Democratic ex-presidents. We have Bill Clinton. We have Jimmy Carter, of course, who's gone through a lot of ordeals, and he's now 90-plus. And um, he, he was born in 1924, um, so he's up there. He's 96 years old, or he, 95 will be 96. And, um, of course, we, we have um, George Bush, uh, number two. So we have, and we have President Obama. Then if we add on vice president, of course, even recently, I don't hear President, uh, Vice President Biden say anything the last 24 hours. You know, where's he? I mean, uh, were they just not covering that? And there is a thing about ex-presidents not intervening with the regular president, but these are extraordinary circumstances. I would love to see myself, President Clinton, President Obama, President Carter, and President Bush, the four ex-presidents, three from one party and one from the other come out with a joint statement of support for Black Lives Matter, for the American people, and to ask for calm and peace for everyone. Now, again, it's not a normal thing, but these are not normal times. Hopefully that'll happen. I mean, that would be wonderful because we have no, we have no harmony coming out of Washington, D.C. We just have more warfare. I mean, the, um, I've mentioned before that Iris, um, which is also part of this whole mix. And I had shared the discovery chart for Eris and discovery chart for Sedna and discovery chart for Chiron, as I was talking about new moons and full moons and some of these other podcasts, as well as articles in Global Hotspot and trying to articulate the different keynotes, just as I was saying, Sedna, which is part of this progressed, secondary progression, Sun, Pallas, Athena, and Sedna, all together, three celestial bodies, all in the middle of Pisces in the United States progressed chart. That's not an illusion. It's not, I mean, it's a deep, powerful force. Progress charts are deep and powerful. They influence each individual or any entity, in this case, the country, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's what secondary progressions based on each day after birth is equivalent of a year of life. And you see, the bread and butter of what I've shared, not all, but out of the 51 now podcasts, an enormous number have been touching on the United States progress chart. Because... The United States was born with its Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776. And as I said, when we celebrate it, hopefully, together as one nation, still a couple of weeks from now, we've got the exact same cycle, Juno opposite Chiron. You know what the odds are that we would that would be exact? When the country was born, it was exact. And we didn't even know that Chiron and Juno were there. We didn't know Juno until it was discovered in the early 1800s. We didn't know Chiron until it was discovered in 1977. But their forces and energies were at work when the country was born at the Declaration of Independence. That's what that's the closest alignment. And now they're back, and they've already come back twice, and they're in the same signs, Libra and Aries. They're not, and, and Juno, meanwhile, is exactly coming back to its natal position for the third time. It will happen on August 14. And what will August be of this year? It's the 100th anniversary of the right for women to vote. And I think there's no accident that the Democratic Convention has been moved backwards, partly because the Democrats and the Republicans, nobody knows whether the conventions can happen in reality of lots of people flying in planes and taking railroads and buses and so on to get into these cities, Milwaukee and Charlotte, major cities. That's very risky. And it's not just for them to attend the conference. People who have to work there at the conference, how the different uh, transport that has to be taken place, and then the people coming home 
from the conference, if you are hundreds or thousands of people in, in theater, you know, a big concert hall, and they're in, intermingling. The fact that the president of the United States, who was part of that task force and every day talking to Americans, stay home, wear the mask, don't wear the mask, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, remember those people? The fact that he would be threatening a Democratic governor of North Carolina three months before, that if you don't allow us to have the convention the way we want it to be, hopefully, and according to what I read, where if, if they don't want to wear masks, they don't have to wear masks. I mean, that's basically introducing death, potential death into Charlotte, North Carolina. It's not just Republicans or Make America Great people all showing up in one bus load or one plane load. This is a whole city that will be inundated with these people for several days going back and forth into cafes, into restaurants, into hotels. I don't even think anybody's been explaining this. I mean, it's all like preposterous, right? Like, how could he even be threatening? How could he even be thinking about it? So, so when, you, when you go from that perspective, we know there is something like Robert De Niro saying the president is a lunatic. Well, I mean, as I will share for other reasons, I mean, Robert De Niro has valid points. And people from both conser conservative, liberal, progressive, Republican, Democrat, independent, libertarian, I mean, from people around the world, other world leaders, there was just a report today that President um, Trump invited Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany, to potentially come to a G7 or G8 meeting at Camp David. They're thinking about where it would be next month, the end, the end of June. The reason that this hasn't been set in stone is because of the pandemic. Angela Merkel apparently isn't, um, she studied chemistry, and this is a big part of her life, and she's been in power a lot longer than President Trump. So Angela Merkel said, you know what, I'm, we're not ready, the pandemic is still going on, and she's not going to attend, even if he were to get some of these other people, and if she doesn't come. So what happened, the report today, was that, as often happens, President Trump flew into a rage that Angela Merkel would not come to the United States because she sensibly and in the heart of Europe is trying to hold on and do the best that she can as a leader in Germany of 80 to 90 million people. So this is what we have now in terms of leadership. So what I'm going to do here is let's see how long I've been going. This is now what? Okay, not too bad. I mean, it's not as, nearly as long as some of the other ones. And so I've been able to give you my notes. And I wish it were more organized. I've mentioned some of the cover stories. In the next one, I will read from, shall we say, Back to the Future to show you that what the storylines, what, what was happening in the early 1990s, 29 years ago, for instance, the Gemini 1991 magazine cover which is exactly 29 years ago. Well, where was Saturn? Back in Aquarius. Saturn has a cycle of 29 years. So Saturn, which is responsibility, hard work, determination, focus, and a shadow side, which can be fear and depression and worry and stress about Aquarius. Groups, organizations, universality, and the air we're breathing, that we're all breathing together. So Saturn can represent losing one's life because you don't have the air to breathe and that groups and communities, particularly relating to Aquarius, are not recognized for their value and their worth, as well as the world community of nations. So 
by going back and sharing the fact that in our magazine, Welcome to Planet Earth, here was a story, okay, about injustice. And again, part of the reasons why that was also uh, the story about justice in America, which you'll see on the cover of that Gemini 1991 magazine, is that Gemini, okay, in the United States birth chart, has the Mars and the Uranus in there. And the president at the time, 1991, was the second sun sign Gemini president, Bush, first Bush number one, who was president at that time. He was also the president when the Rodney King beating took place in Los Angeles in 1991. And when the verdict came in the following year, when forces, military forces, went in to quell disturbances in Los Angeles. Okay, so here's some brief things about these charts. I may, because of time, I may just give you some pointers now, and I'm going to go in order here. The first chart is, is uh, I'm going to take a sip of water because I often forget to do that, so bear with me. What I'm going to do here is, um, well, let me explain this. Okay, May 25, George Floyd death, you'll see that chart, and it's listed as 9.25 p.m. Now, we know that the young girl who was 17 started um, filming, and I think she filmed 10 or 11 minutes. And it was earlier that George Floyd undoubtedly passed away. But what happened was is that um, after they wouldn't let him up and he wasn't breathing, um, very often as you watch, uh, well, people could be not breathing. They still have not been legally declared dead yet. So they might go in an ambulance or EMTs and so on. What, what this chart, though, is for the official time that I saw listed, 9.25 p.m., which would have been Central Daylight Time, using Minneapolis, May 25, 2020. Now, his actual moment of death was probably before. This is when at least he was declared dead. But this is important. Here are, here are the things that I want to mention in this chart as you look at it. And number one is the big thing. Look at Juno, the asteroid, with the which is the asterisk with the with the cross under it at five plus of Libra. Now, uh, it's right, it's by itself. And I, I was sharing recently this asteroid. If you were, if you use a chart with sun, moon, the eight planets, the nodes, Chiron, and the four main asteroids, and you don't add other kinds of things like other centaur-like bodies, like there's Shariklo, Pholos, there's Damocles, there's all other asteroids now. Uh, a lot of astrologers working with the coronavirus. There's an, uh, an asteroid called Wuhan. So a lot of people are putting um, everything into that or primarily into that. I've focused a lot with the coronavirus on all the different celestial bodies, but also Sedna and Eris and Chiron in particular and working with their discovery charts, but also Pallas Athena because it has a lot to do with immunology and how strong or weak our immune systems are. And because the United States was born with the moon and Pallas Athena in conjunction. Juno, when it's positive, has a lot to do with peace and harmony and tranquility, particularly socially and in terms of relationship to empower primary partnerships. It has a lot to do with beauty. It has a lot to do with love and um, romantic feelings. And again, uh, adornment and looking beautiful and feeling good about who we are, particularly in our relationships. But the shadow side of Juno, again, Eleanor Bach has indicated Juno, when angry or negative or dismissed or belittled, because it is the smallest of the first four asteroids discovered, so it's the smallest. Uh, and as Eleanor Bach would explain, just like Jupiter is the largest planet, 
and represents bigness. Juno, as the smallest asteroid, represents smallness, but that smallness and little things can be just as significant as big things. So just because something is big and huge, like the president always saying it'll be big and it's huge, that's because he has Jupiter and Libra and it's stationary and not moving. The president of the United States also has Neptune stationary and not moving and Chiron stationary and not moving. So he has three celestial bodies stationary, which is, um, I've seen other charts with three, three stationary bodies. I've never seen four. Um, usually most people don't have any, okay? Like President Kennedy had two, Mercury and Uranus. Uh, not every president has a stationary body. As I said earlier, the United States, of all, using all these celestial bodies, has only one in its series, the largest asteroid, which is literally now returning and will return three times in Pisces this year. So what's clear in this chart, even if George Floyd was born um, excuse me, died. We don't know. We know he is 46 years old. I couldn't find his birth date yet. Maybe that just will surface sometime in the future. If it does, um, obviously his birth chart will show major transits and progressions and things going on. We may not ever know his birth time unless his family forwards that. So I, I doubt whether that's going to easily come out. Uh, who knows? I mean, hopefully it will, but it said that he's 46 years old and I did go back 46 years in general to see, you know, again, there was no month given. He was either born somewhere in 1973 or early 1974, according to that age. And so outer planet positions of Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, Chiron, and so on in 1973-74 would hold true because he's 46 years old. But this is for his death chart. And by the way, I've studied like studying JFK's assassination chart and the death of so many famous individuals, if we have an exact time, the chart of someone's death is, okay, the birth chart is saying, it's kind of like, what's my line? Here is my blueprint, my, my genetic code, my spiritual code, spiritually and metaphysically of why I'm here and what my goals are. Sun, moon, rising, all the planets, the asteroids, Chiron, the nodes of the moon, in the different houses, the different signs, the different aspects. It's a kind of blueprint of what we're trying to achieve. How can we fulfill our destiny in this life to the best of our abilities? Then we have transits, progressions. We meet different people with their charts and everything becomes like a, a, a connection to so many different individuals and events and momentum and opportunities and challenges. When a person takes his or her last breath, the the positions of the planets, just like at birth, it's what can we do? What are our hopes? What are our plans? What's the game plan? What's the blueprint? Or as I often call it, the spiritual genetic code for this particular lifetime. And when we pass away, the it's basically, here's what we did. Here's who we were. Here's what we want our legacy to be. So the fact that he passed away and Juno is alone, almost exactly at the top of the chart. And literally on the verge of being stationary. See, that's the thing. Less than 24 hours later, Juno was precisely exactly stationary. So when we see Juno in this chart, 5 Libra 49, it's not moving. It's not moving forward or backward. It's just there. And it's at the top of the chart in Minneapolis. So again, why would we, we be surprised that from the shadow side, which Juno represents a goddess of storms atmospherically, and Atmosphere is not just the actual atmosphere in the sky, but it's the environment 
of Shadow Juno. What is Shadow Juno? It's disempowerment in relationships, not just marriage or friendship, but a relationship in a society. Libra represents the values of a society uh, or of a culture or of the world, world values of equality and peace and harmony. Can we all get along together? The statement of Rodney King uh, all along back 30 years ago, one Saturn cycle earlier. So now we have Juno, this particular asteroid, and it's remarkable that when I did podcast 50 or 49, excuse me, about um, Cyclone Amphan, I actually read from Eleanor Bach about Juno because Juno was very prominent when the cyclone hit because it is a goddess of storms, of atmospheric storms like hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, cyclones, and so on or just very bad thunderstorms and things like that in the actual atmosphere. If you go back to Greek and Roman mythology, uh, what Juno or its Greek name Hera represented, um, the anger, the rage from being disempowered, um, it has, goes back to the Juno-Jupiter relationship or the, the Hera-Zeus relationship, depending on whether you look at Roman and Greek mythology. But the stories are very often the same. Jupiter-Zeus, king of the gods, goes around doing whatever he wants. He's ruling Mount Olympus except for the fates, the three fates, he pretty much can swagger around and so on. We see that a lot in, in President Trump. I mean, we've seen it more in him than almost any other president, I think, truly. Uh, so aside from the President of the United States being part of the plut plutocracy and having a very strong Pluto and a strong Neptune and Chiron with its shadow sides more than its favorable sides, for sure, we also see a shadow side of Jupiter. And when the President says, it'll be huge, it'll be big, It'll be the biggest thing. We have the biggest crowds. It'll be the biggest weapon. Every time he says big or huge, that's his Jupiter talking. And so it's not that hard as when you're an astrologer to understand um, where, what words and what phrases relate to what planet and what alignment. So the, the most amazing thing about this chart and George Floyd's death as a cry for help is that through Juno at the top of the chart, not moving, and the shadow side of Juno representing disempowerment or a feeling that a person or a group of people feel feel belittled and disempowered and the rage and the anger that comes up there. So that is very significant. We also see Sagittarius rising. That's the rising sign we use for the United States from Welcome to Planet Earth and all the research we've done. There are other astrologers who don't use that rising sign. Most professional astrologers do use July 4th, 1776. Some don't for various reasons, and that's not an argument at this point. Nevertheless, look at the moon in the eighth house, 14 plus of cancer at the time he died. And when the events were taking place, which started around eight o'clock or so, the moon would have been 13 plus of cancer, which is exactly the sun degree of the United States chart. 14 plus of Cancer is exactly squaring the United States Saturn from July 4, 1776 at 14 plus of Libra. We also see Mercury and Vesta in the seventh house. You'll see Mercury with Vesta. Vesta looks like a little flame with two Vs. They're both at 26 plus of Gemini within five minutes of arc. Mercury has to do with air and communication and language. Vesta has to do with safety and security. I mean, Vesta has some other uh, meanings, investment, insurance. Uh, Vesta has a lot to do with sisterhood and brotherhood. And it also rules over um, police departments and federal, the FBI, 
an organization. So Mercury exactly with Vesta, five minutes, that's one twelfth of one degree of the Zodiac in the seventh house of relationship. That's an extraordinary alignment. Again, you'll see Venus over there retrograde in the seventh house. Um, on the bottom, in the third house, you'll see the Mars-Ceres conjunction that I was talking about that actually occurred a degree earlier on Sunday, the day before, about 36 hours before this happened, Mars and Ceres came together. <clears throat> but keep in mind, Ceres has a two, uh, Ceres has a four-year cycle through the Zodiac, approximately four to five years, four plus years. Uh, Mars takes two years. So Mars and Ceres are not always hanging around together. Well, there they are. And Mars is actually on the United States Ceres. Ceres is about to return. We know that Ceres returns for the USA three days after George Floyd's death. So there... Again, another cry for help, water, you know, I can't breathe. When people are submerged, they can't breathe. In this case, he was under the, the knee. His neck was under the knee. The, the police officers and the other ones standing by, they were like the pressure of, you know, when people have bends uh, in water, if you go down in the ocean, like in submarines or bathospheres and so on, you can't just come up. If you're down there, you could die, your lungs would collapse and so on. There's got to be a gradual movement from the depths of the ocean upward. And of course, just being able to breathe underwater, you know, when people swimming, even learning to swim, this is kind of a great fear that if you dive into water, there's a, a lot of people who are afraid of water and things like that. So we've got Mars conjunct Ceres in Pisces at the at Ceres's um, natal placement for the United States. So we've got that going on there. There's a, a bunch of other things. Uh, Eris at 24 plus of Aries, you'll see ERI in the fourth house. If you look at Pluto in the second house, uh, the planet of the underworld and extremes, the Plutocracy, uh, 24 plus of Capricorn. That's an ongoing square that's happening. Uh, throughout the whole year, back and forward. You'll also see the nodes of the moon, the horseshoe figures uh, in houses seven and one, uh, zero plus of Cancer, zero plus Capricorn. So the nodes are changing. We're in the process um, this spring where the nodes that have been in Cancer, Capricorn, water and earth are shifting into Gemini and Sagittarius for the next year and a half or so. So in the process of that's happening, the north node is moving into 30 degrees of Gemini the south node into 30 degrees of Sagittarius. But while the nodes are at zero and zero, Cancer Capricorn, they're illuminating the summer solstice point and the winter summer, uh, winter solstice point, uh, basically the beginning of summer in the northern hemisphere when the sun hits zero of Cancer, and the beginning of winter in the northern, northern hemisphere. Of course, in the southern hem hemisphere, everything's reversed. And also notice that the moon is in the eighth house of the chart, um, at the exact time of the death, at least recorded by the uh, health department, the, the moon is exactly 150 degrees to the ascendant. So we've got moon at 14 plus a cancer at the exact recorded time of his passing and 14 plus Sagittarius uh, on the ascendant. And notice that's the 150 degree aspect. And again, someone calling out a can't breathe. Um, there are a lot of reasons why people, I mean, in this case, his life breath is being pushed out of him by this uh, horrific uh, cop, a police officer who couldn't, is not caring at all and has now been arrested, charged with uh, third-degree murder and manslaughter. And I, I'm sure the other officers sometime soon, if not 
next 24 hours or so, if Minneapolis knows what they're doing, we'll have them at least arrested um, in order to prevent more and more violence. So this is an extraordinary chart. Um, I also see here um, Juno and Chiron. Let's see. Oh, yeah, Juno and Chiron. If you look at Chiron, they're almost opposite. Not only is Juno above, as I said, retrograde and its representation, uh, disempowerment uh, and the rage, uh, particularly from the black community and minorities. And then Chiron is at the bottom of the chart and they're within a couple of degrees of being opposite. But again, they've already been opposite twice. They're opposite exactly when the United States was born and they'll be exactly opposite on July 4th. And again, we have an Astro Flash article on that in um, the Cosmic Calendar, Calendar Gay with uh, Calendar again with a K on our app. Um, and you can read that particular Astro Flash story there. Um, the, the Sun and Juno are trying actually in this particular chart, which is interesting. Sun in the sixth house at five plus a Gemini, Juno at five plus a Libra. In this case, um, that would be more of a positive expression, at least of the community to honor uh, George Floyd, the solar life force, um, of so many people coming together, the masses, the in, enormous uh, numbers of people, and the illumination, the the enlightenment of the Juno principle. In this case, coming from a trine, trines, um, it doesn't. It do, this wouldn't mean oh, it was good. It's not from the from the radical right wing viewpoint. It was good that um, uh, a black individual was murdered. It, it's more of the trine representing the enormous energy outpouring of the illumination and the enlightenment for all of the United States and the world about injustice and about the, the disempowerment of individuals in the oppressive racist environment that has never gone away. Now, the, the, um, I don't have a lot of things to talk about with the Juno Station Direct chart, but it is for May 26, 2020. It's a chart you can study on your own, but look again it, for using Washington, D.C. Again, um, the, the time is exact for Washington, D.C. of Juno having no motion at all and shifting from retrograde to direct. And again, we, what do we see? Juno up at the top of the chart. I mean, it's elevated in Washington, D.C., and what this also means, by the way, is if you, okay, Washington, D.C. is Eastern time. So what we have still, it, it's earlier, okay, it's earlier in the central time zone. So at 1045 on Tuesday night, May 26, when Juno had no motion at all, uh, it was 945 in the evening in the central time zone. It was 845 in the evening. Um, in the mountain time zone, it was 7.45 in the evening on the West Coast. Why am I saying that? Because being earlier, being earlier in the day, the Juno becomes more prominent, okay, in those other parts of the United States. So we see it in the ninth house uh, when Juno is stationary. But if we did the same chart for Minneapolis or Detroit, um, because there's been things all over every city, I mean, Columbus, Ohio, Detroit, uh, other Chicago, very violent today, uh, Minneapolis, and on and on. Uh, West Coast, Los Angeles, very severe. It's happened in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, Sacramento, uh, <clears throat> and on and on. The, these different cities, all over Phoenix, and so on. So the point is, Juno uh, was so close to an exact station when um, when George Floyd died and was killed. And we have that exact moment, and that chart is very significant. Now, the next night, 
if you look at the uh, Juno station, notice that the moon is no longer at 14 plus a cancer, it's at 27 plus cancer. Well, what is 27 plus cancer? That's exactly opposite the United States Pluto from July 4th, 1776, 27 plus Capricorn. And you'll also see that Jupiter in, in the Juno station direct chart is in house number one uh, at 27 of, of, of Capricorn. So when the Juno station occurred, and that is a powerful chart that keeps vibrating too, just like the George Floyd death chart is still going to be, shall we say, have repercussions and ramifications. It will stay out in the world and remain evocative and powerful, affecting all of us. Now, charts for cities are hard to corroborate. We do know of certain cities like Los Angeles, New York, um, that I feel confident have exact times. Minneapolis, um, I don't want to focus on the possibilities of that chart because there are different things at the moment. However, the way I often look at states is the state chart itself that the cities are in, any person who's in Minneapolis and or in St. Paul and people coming and going from other parts of Minnesota into those cities and moving around as well, and people coming in, whether they're authorities or they're agitators, once they come into Minnesota, the state chart of Minnesota, which is May 11th, 1858, and this is calculated for St. Paul, the time is from a rectification um, by Mark Penfield, one of the great rectifiers, and what he does is he gets information, particularly with state charts. Th this is all like when the President of the United States signed, um, would, which would have been um, a proclamation or the executive order, whatever it is, okay, Minnesota is now a state of, of the Union. So if you looked at newspapers from uh, May 12th, uh, maybe even May 11th, if it was known in advance, uh, newspapers around that time, again, remember there's no radio, there's no television, would be saying, Minnesota, now a state, okay. And so here we have this time. So these are the things I want to talk about with Minnesota uh, for the moment. So there are a lot of things here. Okay, I just said that in the previous chart for the station of um, Juno, which just happened, when we go back to May 11th, 1858, the moon, you'll see the crescent moon near the top of this chart. Okay, it's overhead. Um, by the way, anytime the moon is overhead, the moon has a lot to do with the public and essence. So um, when the moon becomes very prominent, and for instance, one of the other things that's happening, the difference between the, the daytime, a lot, of, a lot of violence was happening today. Over the last couple of nights, what happens is the sun sets, goes be below the horizon. Well, we're at a first quarter moon, so the moon is visible. The moon is overhead while all this is happening. Now, it's kind of like there's a different vibration during the day. And again, during the light of day, um, the more violent components, I mean, there was a lot of violence today during the day. So I'm assuming... In different cities, um, when I'm done doing this, um, which I'm doing completely away from the television, I uh, will have recorded certain things and I'll be looking at, oh my gosh, and hopefully it won't be as fearful as I think, but I have a feeling it will be. So remember this, that at the first quarter moon, at that time of the month, which is this time of the month, and we just had that first quarter moon, which is a crisis in action, and which we're seeing the critical elements of that displayed in all these cities and within the federal government's response and National Guard and possible federal troops and other acts of violence and people coming in who are anarchists and agitating and making things worse. 
um, the moon is overhead. Sun sets. It's no longer the sun of you know, the solar life force where we see things. Now it's in the dark. And remember, with the pandemic, it adds to the confusion that people, so many people wearing masks. Now, this is another thing about mask wearing in the United States, which is different from the Far East. I mean, we have a whole history in the West, our Wild West, and um, of masked um, um, outlaws. I mean, it's just a common thing. You know, I think of um, the James Gang and all the different other um, uh, bank robberies and robberies of people and people wearing a mask and um, the the Lone Ranger archetype and TV and things like that. So we also have, of course, bandanas and different masks that are part of gangs um, in particularly, I mean, all over the United States and different colors and different scarves and bandanas designating different groups of people uh, fighting one another, representing different principles and things like that. So when the whole process of wearing a mask came up, even though it was so prominent in China and Hong Kong and South Korea, and they take kind of naturally to that. They don't have the Wild West scenario that the same kind of thing with bank robbers and wearing masks. I'm not saying that Chinese bank robbers and Hong Kong bank robbers and robbers in South Korea or the Philippines or in Thailand, that they wouldn't wear a mask. Of course, different kinds of masks. But initially, there was a lot of resistance, um, particularly in the black community and Hispanic uh, community to wearing a mask because um, of police violence and being separated out because they're black or a minority in the first place. And then the whole trepidation of potentially wearing a mask and having some terrible thing with an encounter with a police officer or whoever it is who thinks that you're a robber or something else. So initially, you know, we the, um, when the Surgeon General, who's, who's black himself, originally he said, no, don't wear a mask because we wanted the mask for health officials. And then when the CDC changed its view and they were looking at everything, suddenly, yeah, you have to wear a mask and you need to wear a mask to protect yourself and as a statement for social distancing and to protect other people that we're all in this together. Now, of course, with so many different people recently, last weekend with that uh, three-day Memorial Weekend, we see all these people frolicking around, going to pools, going to beaches, not wearing a mask, thinking, oh, well, the President of the United States doesn't have to wear a mask, I don't have to wear a mask. And I reported that the last time. This is what can be so detrimental, not only with the smoke and the tear gas and people not wearing masks, and there's no more six feet apart in these pictures. I mean, that is, you know, ancient history now, at least in that group, and that's horrifying. For anybody watching TV, no matter whether you're a teenager, you're an adult, uh, you know, 20 year old, 30, 50, and someone who's older, and we're seeing how we need to behave going into a grocery store, or going into a pharmacy, or going get it, to get a haircut, or um, whatever it may be, in trying to reopen a society. And at the same time, we're trying to reopen a society, these cities are falling apart. I mean, it's just horrific. So the moon in Minnesota's chart, 27 plus of Aries. And what is it? It's exactly opposite Vest at the bottom of the chart, 27 plus Libra. This is the permanent chart of Minnesota. And that means that the United States Pluto is 27 plus a Capricorn. So we get a very prominent moon overhead. And I just said uh, when Juno was stationary, the moon was at 27 plus a Cancer, which is exactly square 
this moon vesta opposition and this moon vesta opposition brings up the whole thing of safety and security issues it could be part of the reason uh the moon opposite vesta why the minneapolis police department is in particular a, a very shady and difficult area that needs change but uh moon opposite vesta exact and both squaring the united states pluto that's very very scary to see that going on in this particular chart um Venus at 8 plus a Gemini should not be forgotten in the Minnesota chart. You'll see that in the 11th house. The reason is that the sun just crossed that position. And the, uh, the, the quarter moon, um, the sun was on that Venus or very close to it. And the moon in Virgo was squaring it. So the sun was illuminating Venus and Gemini, which is the duality principle. Venus representing peace and harmony and uh, friendship. And the fact that that's in the Gemini sign. Now, esoterically, in esoteric astrology, Venus is considered the, the sole ruler of Gemini, soul, S-O-U-L. So Gemini can be a great position for Venus. And we see a lot of really conscientious people like the mayor of Minneapolis, the mayor of St. Paul, one white, one black. Um, the, the governor is a Democrat. The lieutenant governor is Native American and very articulate. And you see... A certain a group of leaders who are very sensitive and so on but the sun exactly on top of that venus and here's the other thing when the united states came into being july 4th 1776 undiscovered uranus which would not be discovered till 1781 where was it or where is it eight plus of gemini and that's almost exact so the united states uranus which can represent shocks and revolution and upheavals and surprises and nerve rat nervous conditions and so on uh, it can also represent intuition and seeing into the future, but it's an erratic energy. It's an idiosyncratic energy, and it is a radical change energy. So the U.S. Uranus, exactly the Venus in Minnesota chart. That is very significant. I also noticed that something really interesting, that the Mars position when Donald Trump took the oath of office July, uh, January 20th, um, 2017, the Mars position of the inauguration of the president is at 24 uh, Pisces 22. So when uh, Trump took the oath of office, remember Eris on his Sedna, which itself is intense. Mars was at 24 Pisces 22, 24 degrees, 22 minutes. Now look in the ninth house of Minnesota's chart. You'll see Neptune conjunct Sedna within four degrees in Pisces, which is another challenge because Sedna can represent frozen conditions when it's negative and Neptune when it's negative and it's not representing love and compassion which is this higher qualities Neptune has a lot to do with idealism and our spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs and our uh, basically a, a higher Venusian energy it has a lot to do with compassion and empathy and love with wisdom and psychic sensitivity and creative imagination but on the shadow side can represent chaos and confusion and also even a diabolical energy of getting hooked into things that are negative, like drugs and crime or violence and so on, when it's perpetrated through illusion and deception. So the Neptune for Minnesota, 24 Pisces, 20 minutes, the trident figure in the ninth house. That's only two minutes of arc. That's one thirtieth of one degree from Mars, which can be a volatile planet and a planet of bloodshed in Donald Trump's inauguration chart. So it is not um, mixing up the wrong things, not an apple and an orange to connect 
the Donald Trump inaugural chart from 2017, Mars position is exact within two minutes of arc of the Neptune position that could represent chaos and confusion in Minnesota's chart. There's a whole bunch of other things like you'll see Jupiter in the 10th house. You'll see a lot of 10th house influences, Mercury, Sun, Jupiter, Uranus, all in a conjunction. If you stretch it out for, within four, uh, four celestial bodies within about six to uh, eight degrees. But notice in the mix of that, Jupiter is at 26 plus a Taurus, 26 Taurus 42 in the 10th house and Mars retrograde when Minnesota was born in the fourth house, 26 Scorpio 28. There's an exact Mars Jupiter opposition in this chart. And oppositions of Mars with anything can produce a lot of volatility. You'll also see, guess what? Juno in the first house, opposite Chiron in the seventh. Juno at 14 plus a Leo, Chiron at 17 plus of Aquarius. If you actually go back, if you look at um, the chart I was just talking about, when George Floyd died with Juno above is opposite Chiron from Libra to Aries with a three degree orb. Okay, there's a three degree orb from eight plus of Aries with Chiron at the bottom of the George Floyd death chart and Juno at the top at five plus Libra. That's three degrees of exactitude between them. Exactly the same thing happened when Minnesota was born on May 11th as a state, 1858. First house, Juno, 14 Leo 40. Looks like an asterisk with a cross underneath it. Chiron, the K with the circle, seventh house, 17 plus of Aquarius. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is astrology in action. It's showing why Minnesota became the center of this through George Floyd's death by that police officer with the other three people sparking the outrage, all these different things. As Juno is about to be stationary, we had already had Mars and Juno before that, 150 degrees apart, a week or so before the Gemini new moon. The day before George Floyd died, Mars and Ceres came together very close to the Ceres position in the United States chart. Mars was on that position as George Floyd died. And then just in the last two days, Ceres just came back and it's the only stationary body in the United States chart. So we see the asteroids all at work here. We're seeing for Minnesota, Mars exactly on the other side of the zodiac from Jupiter. We're seeing the moon exactly on the other side of the zodiac from Vesta, and that those are both squaring the United States Pluto. We're seeing the Mars position from the Donald Trump inauguration of 2017, almost precisely on the Neptune position of Minnesota. And now we see Juno and Chiron exactly within three degrees of an opposition in the first and the seventh houses, which usually represents self-expression and relationship, and the same exact Juno-Chiron opposition, which is exact in the United States birth chart, and which will also happen on our birthday, is exactly happening when George Floyd dies, with Juno being above and Chiron below with the same orb. So, and then one other thing, notice the North Node at 14 plus of Pisces in the eighth house. That's the progressed stationary position. Well, the, it's, it's where the Sun and Pallas Athena and Sedna are all in a triple conjunction in the United States secondary progressed chart. They're all at 14 plus to 15 plus of Pisces. That's on the inner deeper level that is undermining all of this, not just what we're seeing here, but let's go back to the whole Trump administration, the Mueller report, what the Russians did, in um, the hacking, 
the whole upheaval that the country's been going through, the Me Too movement, all these killings of individual black men and women in different states of the Union, and this whole thing with George Floyd being uh, not just the tip of the iceberg, but the spark here. And we're seeing how Minnesota's chart, this is why I'm not saying a chart for Minneapolis wouldn't show a lot of this, but remember, this is also happening in St. Paul. It's happening in the Twin Cities. Even though most of this has happened in Minneapolis, both of these mayors, I mean, this is this is so powerful. There are other alignments going on in this chart. Um, there's a Pythagorean triangle, a 3, 4, 5, 90 degree, 120 degree, 150 degree uh, energy, and Ceres in the fifth house, the backward C with the cross under it, is at 23 plus a, uh, Sagittarius, linking up to Neptune, uh, 24 plus a Pisces in the ninth house, they're square. And then the Neptune in the ninth house is trying to Saturn rising in uh, just over the horizon in the 12th house at 23 plus Cancer. And then that Saturn makes 150 degrees to Ceres uh, back in the fifth house. So that's, that is another big deal. It's a, a, we don't always know what a three, four, five, or 90 degree, 120 degree, 150 degree relationship of three celestial bodies means. The strongest one I've ever seen, and I've shared this before, is when President Kennedy was assassinated. And that was Mercury, Jupiter, and Uranus. Very, very exact three, four, five triangle. Another three, four, five, it's called the Pythagorean triangle. It, the way to understand it, if you work it out with a lot of complexities, you have to look at the planets involved, what's making the square, what's making the triangle, what's making the inconjunct of 150, what signs they're in. And that's why it's so unwieldy to try and take three celestial bodies with three different aspects and say, here's what it means. So um, it will have multiple levels of interpretation. So I think, I mean, there's probably other things in this chart. Um, I'd, I, I, I'm looking at my notes and I've, I'm sure I'd find some other things. But let's finish up here with the two uh, cycles. The first quarter phase. Okay, you'll see that chart for May 29, 2020. And again, I did this for Washington, D.C. because it's a nation capital. But again, you're seeing Juno up there and elevated. If we move the chart to Minneapolis or to other cities, we would see how the first quarter moon, which just happened last night when things were building up, became more and more violent, undoubtedly due to outside elements, people who could be prosecuted for moving across state lines to uh, induce a riot. This is part of the laws on the books. If Different officials can locate people and they find paperwork or they find agendas or things on their cell phones. Hey, we're going to we're going to cross over. We're all meeting in Wisconsin. We're all meeting, you know, here or there or whatever. Not that people would be usually that foolish enough to put things on a cell phone, but you never know. Somebody might spill the beans to get a lesser sentence and so on. They're part of a group of people that came in from many states away to be part of Minneapolis or whatever just happened uh, today and, uh, and yesterday in Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Denver, um, Detroit, I mean, Boston, so many different places, Portland, Sacramento. Uh, I'm concerned about what's going to happen when I end. I almost feel this is a safety zone just doing this because I'm in another room and I'm not watching uh, TV and I see, let's see, so this is about two and a half hours, maybe a little bit more and I'm almost done. But get this, okay, first quarter moon phase. Again, this is an exact time. This is not approximate. 11.31 exactly at p.m. yesterday, Washington, D.C., May 29. Look what's going on here. Pluto is on the ascendant. Pluto, planet of the 
or a planet of extremes, the plutocracy again, a, a police department, uh, particularly this, this officer had 18 citations over a long period of time and he wasn't removed. And we see Pluto exactly on the ascendant. So that's a big thing. But again, what's um, kind of scary at a, at a first quarter moon, the sun and the moon are at right angles. So you look in the, the fifth house of this chart, you'll see sun nine, nine degrees and 12 minutes, a nine degrees of Gemini and 12 minutes of arc. So in exact first quarter, the moon has got to be exactly, precisely squared, 90 degrees, not approximately, not within degree, a minute or two minutes. It's exact. You look in the eighth house, nine Virgo 12. Now again, it's in the eighth house. So this is very interesting that the moon, which represents the public, at the first quarter moon, which is the main solar lunar cycle right now. I mean, the, the last new moon was a week ago. It's influential. Every new moon stays in effect at least for 29 days till the cycle ends. But before you get to the full moon, and we'll get to that in a moment, which is the full expression of the new moon, before you, between new moon and full moon, you got a quarter moon. It happens halfway between it, seven days later approximately. What I'm saying and what I've seen in doing thousands of charts for people, for world leaders, for communities, for states, for events, whatever it is, is that if people start something or an event happens at a quarter moon, first quarter or last quarter, one of the problems is that regardless of what else is happening, the sun and moon are locked into a square. Now, can a square be good? Yes, squares are empowering if you're in charge of what you're doing, you know what you're doing, you're saying, you're logical, you're clear, you're reasonable. And if you know some astrology and you're intuitive and you're kind and you're empathic and a whole bunch of other things, first quarter moons. For instance, I've shared this before that um, Governor Newsom is born in exactly the first quarter moon. So people who are born in first quarter moons like JFK during a time at approximate first quarter moon, Ronald Reagan, 20 years later, first quarter moon, 20 years later, George Bush, number two, all those three presidents were born at the time of a crisis in action between the sun and moon. They weren't exact quarter moons, they were close in different signs. So JFK had this particular one, Gemini sun, Virgo moon. That was his first quarter moon. It wasn't exact, but it was within so many degrees, four degrees, five degrees, whatever it may have been. So um, with with Ronald Reagan, his sun was in Aquarius and his moon was in Taurus. Again, a first quarter moon, but in fixed fixed signs, earth and um, a fire, uh, excuse me, air and earth. And then with uh, George W. Bush, um, you get his sun in Cancer and moon in Libra, so which is water and air. But in this case, it's exact. The moon is in the eighth house, which is a house, house of death uh, and intensity and mysteries, and hopefully death and rebirth and transformation. But again, it's there. But in the meantime, opposite the moon is the Mars-Ceres conjunction, okay? And Ceres is almost exactly at nine of Pisces, and Mars is only two degrees away. So this is what we call a T-square, a T-square triangle with the sun at the fulcrum of it. And just to jump ahead, the Gemini full moon, which hasn't happened yet, June 5, 2020, 3.14 p.m., Washington, D.C., and it will be doing a global hotspot that you can read about with a world map in this chart again. That will come out next week. But I'm giving you in, in advance that chart. Notice that the Gemini full moon, again for Washington, sun in the ninth at 15 plus a Gemini, 
Moon at 15 plus Sagittarius, but now look in the sixth house. Mars, 15 plus of Pisces, within about a quarter of a degree. Now, what this implies is this is not going away. Okay, well, first of all, I think anybody who has eyes to see and hearing and so on realizes that the upheavals we're seeing in the cities, we've had upheavals, we've had different things, we've had riots and all kinds of horrific things throughout the history of this country. But to have this many cities at this time with this kind of government and not having a government that is nurturing and empathic, and we're not having, which I hope maybe could happen, the four ex-presidents all come out with some kind of statement saying something, right? I mean, whatever, why can't that happen? Uh, normally it doesn't, but something like that needs to happen, as well as um, Black Lives Matter uh, leaders, uh, leaders of minority groups, and more more people to somehow come together. You know, just remember there was a whole bunch of music things that were going on with the pandemic because everybody was at home. They were able to do that. Um, politicians need to come together, including vice presidents. I mean, remember there uh, there's not only... Biden, but there's Dick Cheney, whether one agrees with him or not, he's still alive. Walter Mondale is still alive. Bob Dole, okay, who ran for president against Clinton, again, he's suffering a lot. He's born 1922, 1923, so he's even older than, than Jimmy Carter. He's still alive. There are people who are part of governments who have been president and vice president. They all need to come together and say something. So you could have, I don't know, seven or eight former presidents and vice presidents, that would be something. Uh, I don't understand why that's not happening yet. I mean, what does it take? The, the death of American cities, the death and the destruction that's happening and the intrusion of potential martial law. So at the next full moon, which ironically and significantly is World Invocation Day, in the esoteric books that I work with from Lucis Trust, again, I would go there, L-U-C-I-S, T-R-U-S-T dot org and to World Goodwill, which is also there, just to have free literature, read what they have to say and go. And, and it's not just a question of hoping and praying, but to foster one's understanding of particularly this, these three spiritual festivals, which are still ongoing and still significant. And we're about to have the third one. So we had the, the Will of God Shambhala Festival at the full moon of Aries and Libra. We had the Waysek Buddha Festival and full moon which happened with the Taurus Scorpio full moon. And now we're approaching the third one. And here we have, it's supposed to be a festival of humanity. Well, look what's happening here in the United States. And let's not forget that the president of the United States and the vice president and William Barr all Geminis. So they're, they're all going to be having their birthdays um, in the Gemini time period here. And uh, this is a, a sad situation that's going on that the leadership in Washington are, are fostering divisions or talking about force when there should be peace and harmony. And at the very least, this president, I mean, it would change so much. Can you imagine this president contacting President Obama and President Clinton and President Carter and President Bush and all coming together, what that would be? Uh, I, I cannot imagine this president ever doing that. But I'm sure there are people who would love to see that left, right, center, uh, and spiritual groups. It's got to come, there's got to be a political group aside from police and uh, people who are rioting and people who are angry and frustrated what is going on here. 
So the first quarter moon, um, I could go more into that, but I think I've shared everything I need to share. I mean, for the moment, there are many other positions in the first quarter moon chart, uh, undoubtedly, but the key thing is that there's a T-square, the sun and moon are square, and that's the first quarter, and Juno is visible and up, and the moon is in the eighth house, and, and that is true um, when we look at, like in other words, 11.31 p.m. Uh, East Coast time last night is 10.31 uh, Central Time, it's 9.31 Mountain Time, and it's 8.31 in the evening Pacific Time. And during all those times, the moon was elevated, Juno was elevated, and the, and not only was, was were the sun and moon square, but Mars and Ceres opposite were creating a T-square, making the whole thing far more volatile because of the involvement of Mars, and Ceres being the Earth Mother, and the nurturing element being accosted in a sense by Mars being opposite to the moon and being squared to the sun. And so uh, on June 5th, a week from this past Friday, and only what, six, six or so days from now, in Washington, the sun will be at 15 plus a Gemini, opposite the moon at 15 plus Sagittarius, and Mars will be at 15 plus Pisces. And that's exact, that's almost exact. And it gives me a chill, a negative chill. Uh, whenever I know that there's something coming um, these days, something comes through me because it's the power of astrology. And there's an old saying in astrology, forewarned is forearmed. That is World Invocation Day and Festival of Humanity, Festival of the Christ. You can read more about this festival and the others by going to lucistrust.org. They have a brochure about the three spiritual festivals. There's around the world, there's meditation work that'll be the night before and all of that day. And this will be a heavy duty time for meditating for peace and harmony. And who knows where America is going to be between now and then. Any rate, um, in this particular full moon chart, notice that Ju Juno, which is going direct, is the lone celestial body in Libra near the horizon. Uh, the rising degree for that full moon in Washington, 13 of Libra, is square to the United States sun from July 4th, 1776. It's also close, uh, close to a conjunction of the United States Saturn. And one of the things that's really interesting um, is that when Pearl Harbor happened, I know this is a stretch maybe for some of you, but when Pearl Harbor happened, there was also energy right at the same point of 15 plus Sagittarius and Gemini. If, I, if memory serves correct, what, what happened in Pearl Harbor was the sun was at 15 plus Sagittarius, where the moon will be at this Gemini full moon. And Jupiter retrograde was exactly opposite, which represented sun opposite Jupiter. That only happens one time, one time a year. Whenever sun opposes Jupiter, uh, which happens every year, Jupiter's retrograde. So I just happened to see that. And this is interesting because the sun and moon will be opposite from the ninth to the third house. And one of this, what, what this also means is that not only is sun, moon opposite and squaring Mars, not only this is true here, this is true all over the world. Okay, it's going to be in different houses, but sun at 15 plus Gemini, moon at 15 plus Sagittarius, Mars 15 plus Pisces, that T-square with Mars at the center. And remember, Mars can be leadership, it can be courage, it can be passion that's directed, particularly through Pisces, in a sensitive, empathic, harmonious way. Or it's going to be violence and inflammatory behavior and also martial bloodshed or 
movements that we don't want to see, warlike movements and things like that. Um, I have a couple of other notes here on that day. Um, more will be shared in global hotspots about this. On that Gemini full moon day, June 5th, remember, Festival of Humanity, the Festival of the Christ, representing love and wisdom through humanity and through what we call the spiritual hierarchy and Shambhala, the higher levels of uh, leadership and love and wisdom and the will to good on planet Earth, Venus and Pluto will be in a contraparallel, similar to a polarity on that full moon. Mercury and Uranus are going to be sextile or six degrees apart. That's harmonious. Mercury uh, near the top of the chart at nine of Cancer, Uranus in the seventh house at eight of Taurus. That's a positive relationship. But Mercury will also be uh, coming from a square to Chiron. You'll see Chiron in the full moon chart for Washington, D.C., eight plus of Aries, um, the K with the circle in the sixth house, and Mercury toward the top. There will be square. And Chiron can represent the twilight zone of strange timing, and we're all thrown out of our normal time. It can also represent wounds or the healing of wounds. And remember, the pandemic is still happening. So, uh, and then after, after this happens, um, later at night, uh, there's going to be a void moon of 15 plus hours that will develop. Um, and I don't have that exactly with me. Oh, yeah, it'll start developing um, a number of hours, about nine hours after this full moon. Uh, I think it's after the moon squares Neptune. At any rate, we will have a void moon energy that will start early on June 6th and go for 15 plus hours. Uh, okay, so we see, I'm going to end with this. We've gone over preliminary five charts. There's a lot more. Of course, the United States is affected, and I did mention that in certain ways, that the United States has Juno and Chiron exactly opposite. I brought in the United States Pluto at 20, 27 plus a Capricorn. And again, as another reminder, in 2022, the U.S. will have its first Pluto returns three times. Uh, Pluto's never come back. It has a 247-year cycle. We were going to have a intense time in 2020 with the election and with the president, the way he's behaved and with whether or not the Democrats would take over the Senate, take over the presidency. And we now have question marks about whether what kind of election we would have. If this kind of violence is already happening, where are we going to go over the next five months? How will this all be brought to some kind of conclusion that isn't detrimental on a, such a wide scale? Will we have uh, Marshall type of energies coming in and will it be dispersed indiscriminately against Democratic governors or who is going to be called out for be agitating? Will it be equally from the right and the left? Will the president keep emphasizing divisiveness, that this is the Antifa or that MAGA, MAGA is all for black people? I mean, we're seeing such derogatory and crazy attitudes coming from Washington, D.C., which is also part of the reason that this violence is getting stronger and stronger, because this isn't one death. It's not many deaths that have all been individual. It's the whole history of racism. It's the whole history of repression. It's the whole history of the 1% versus the 99% that, you know, we don't have health care for everyone, that poor people and people, um, are who, again, Black, Hispanic, Native American in particular, are dying in much greater percentages with the pandemic for a whole bunch of reasons. 
and that we have a terrible healthcare system, regardless, having listened to Mike Pence at one point saying, in America, we have the, the best health system in the world. When that is, a, it's not just a lie, it's just ridiculous for any public figure to ever say that. And I heard him say it exactly. It's not fake news. I was listening actually very making a dinner and I was listening to what he had to say because the president was saying something and then he went off the stage and I felt kind of relieved that we weren't hearing about taking, you know, um, disinfectant in our system or some kind of outrageous thing. And suddenly Pence came and remember Pence was the guy who was supposed to be in charge of all this. And the reason that the president took the whole thing over, and you can see it on Pence's face when you, when you saw those task forces just standing there expressionless, what he must be thinking. I mean, he was given the assignment uh, and I watched that as well. I remember when uh, when President Trump finally realized, oh my God, this is a crisis. It's not one person and it's over. It's not 15 people and it's over. Um, when, when the United States was inundated, the CDC test was lousy. Uh, we didn't know what we were doing. The government wasn't ready. And he started blaming Obama when he had taken away so much money for, um, for healthcare uh, over the three years he was in charge. And then I remember exactly uh, the press conference when the president pointed to Mike Pence and said, and Mike Pence is taking, is going to be in charge of all this. And I remember him saying, and he'll be reporting directly to me. And then Mike Pence came up and with his prepared speech. And of course he has his own issues, but he was talking very deliberately. He, he was a former governor. He was an eight term congressman. He had been a radio show host, comes from the Midwest, you know, strong religious views. And so we got, the two different individuals. And I'm sure you know this, but after Mike Pence came up a couple of days being in charge, suddenly the president of the United States realized, hey, he's got all this publicity. I can't let him. So then he took it over. Like he does everything. Uh, doesn't have, he has another chief of staff, maybe his fifth one, and you don't hear anything about uh, the chief of staff anymore and the ones that were fired or let loose because nobody can control the president of the United States. He's, he's uncontrollable. But the thing is, what we do know is that any other person, even within his own family or an administration, gets too much attention. He has to be at the center. Um, it's all part of the chart. It's all part of negativity. It's all part of his connection to the U.S. chart. Irasana Sedna, when he took the oath of office and his personality and everything else. I will share much more about that at a later time. But listen, um, next time I'm going to go back to these stories and to... to uh, show that the astrology 29 years ago and 30 years ago in these stories about injustice in America, particularly during the first Bush administration, not that it's all his fault, but there are reasons why it all happened then under a Gemini president. Um, he was born June 12, 1924, the first President Bush. And Donald Trump is born June 14 of 1946. So there's only a two-day difference between their births. Um, of course, it's 20... 22 years apart. But um, we never had a sun sign president before JFK. And now since 1961, we've had three over 60 years. And Gemini is where we have Mars and Uranus in the United States birth chart. We also have Mars and Neptune square each other very closely. Um, a square, it's approximately 91 degrees and approaching, it's not a separating alignment. Of course, we didn't know where Neptune was when the country began. But once Neptune was discovered in 1846, suddenly it's at the top of the birth chart of the United States. And therefore, Neptune overhead for us is very significant 
And therefore, that's why I've uh, uh, done a lot of research on the discovery of Neptune chart. And in a few podcasts ago, I realized in discovering Neptune, that chart and the planet Mars, particularly in that chart, is the same Mars for when the Spanish influenza began in March of uh, 1918. And I also reported the same Mars in the chart for South Dakota, which recently had the whole problem with meatpacking. So Mars is a very dangerous planet for the most part. It is the traditional planet of war. We're going to have Mars and Eris come three times together. Eris represents the sister of Mars. She's a planet, a celestial body, twice as far from uh, the Earth and the Sun as Pluto is. And Eris has a lot to do because of its shadow side, its, its lower side, Eris as a goddess was the catalyst creating the Trojan War. So again, Eris was on Sedna, exactly no orb when, for, for Donald Trump when he took the oath of office. And the whole post-war generation, we're all having this as a wave. We're all having Eris on our Sednas. People born 1946, 47, 1948, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54. It's this wave. And I wrote about that, and the article is still in our great in our Earthquares news section on greatbearenterprises.com. You should read that because, and you'll see the, the Bywell chart showing the transits uh, at the inauguration and uh, Donald Trump's natal chart. You'll see how Eris, which is probably ERI, is on SED, Sedna, and there's no orb. It's exact. Not even a minute of arc difference. I mean, it's, it's a precise kind of a thing. And that's what led to the so much of the Me Too movement. And it was already happening uh, when the whole thing with Billy Bush had come on TV and the president tried to apologize for all that. And then the Jim Comey thing happened with Hillary Clinton and the emails right toward the end and the whole thing became a mishmash. And Trump won the presidency by what is it, 80,000 votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And it's it's not his fault. It's Hillary Clinton uh, didn't know what she was doing fundamentally and didn't campaign well. And this is a whole thing having to do with the inept Democratic Party and their inability to understand what they're doing and not being coherent and not realizing who they're up against because the Republicans are that much, I mean, they're extreme and they're intense and they know what they're doing and they form these powerful alignments. And I don't, I don't like what I see happening with that. But the, 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 uh, the truth is, is that we've got one party of millions and millions of people um, with voting. And now we have a question of whether we're even going to really have a vote. Uh, that's, that's my concern. So I'll end on that note. I want to, I would like there to be something more positive, but I will have a series of podcasts about new moons and full moons and the election chart and the inauguration chart, the astrology of where we're going. But now seeing what's happening here, the burning, the, the cities in America are, are in upheaval. And this is going to take a remarkable series of things over the next week. To come out to to make this calm in any sense that I can imagine, and it just feels like it's moving into a direction where we have no real compassionate, empathic leadership and no bringing together. The only thing I can think about, I guess, I should spend a couple more moments, is to literally say again, the ex presidents and ex vice presidents of both parties could make a could make an appearance somehow. Somebody could help bring them together with maybe religious leaders and philosophical leaders and 
spiritual leaders who are, you know, I mean, just people in education or prominent Americans somehow to do something soon because you cannot have, um, otherwise we know where this is going to go with this administration. This is going to go really, really badly and with five more months to go um, before the election. And with what the president said about mail-in votings and attacking um, recently Gavin Newsom for some of his views. By the way, one positive thing did actually happen in the middle of last night. And this was that um, the Supreme Court voted five to four supporting Gavin Newsom about his views with churches in California. And it was the uh, Roberts, uh, John Roberts, cast the positive of the vote with the liberals and was basically cast uh, castigating Kavanaugh. This is kind of important. We know there's been tensions between President Trump and John Roberts. And so I had always felt, although seen recently when the impeachment trial happened and John Roberts was in charge of the trial and basically just a, a it wasn't a big job. It's not like the same job as being at the Supreme Court, but he's been watching whatever this is. And I think it's extraordinary, I'll leave on that positive note here, that at midnight in the East Coast, as I'm watching everything, suddenly out of nowhere, there's this report, breaking news, Supreme Court votes five to four in favor of Gavin Newsom, um, where he, it had to do with a, a church in San Diego. They were trying to, they brought, I don't know, a quick ruling. And I guess there's something about what just happened with this vote that doesn't, it's not normal, okay, that they would decide on something so quickly. But I guess there was an urgency. A particular church in San Diego County wanted to um, went to the Supreme Court to overrule Gavin Newsom trying to control how many uh, people could be at a church. And the, the rule was something like 25, they need to be socially distancing and so on. And what happened was that Kavanaugh and Gorsuch were... Uh, as well as Clarence Thomas, were all um, were all in agreement that the church should overrule the governor, and the four liberal justices were supported by John Roberts, and his his individual report was very very strong. That in these times and circumstances, the governor has the discretion to make certain decisions. And this is, I think, a big deal because the last podcast I did was all about science and religion and that particular split. So I didn't, I'm glad I remembered this because it was the one thing that's happened in the last 24 hours. The one thing, I mean, even the space launch thing, okay, I've seen all that, a little bit of positivity maybe from that. But we have to have a nation that is going to work together so that that is even important. I just thought that was ironic the two Americans are now going to the International Space Station that happened today, was delayed from Wednesday, it happened today in the midst of this whole crisis. And they are now going into outer space to, an, to a space station, I guess tomorrow is when they're docking. Well, that should have been, that should be what Americans are all focused on. You know, back into space, NASA and a commercial enterprise with Elon Musk and all that. So a connection of something um, our own spacecraft. It's not the space shuttle anymore. It's completely different. All these different bells and whistles on this particular, um, this particular aircraft, uh, spacecraft. And it should be something that we should all be celebrating. And instead, we've got on Earth in the cities. 
And it's in the cities and in these you know, construction companies and industries that have created this amazing technology to allow this to happen for all kinds of potentially positive things scientifically and spiritually and astronomically and in terms of what we can learn about space and about togetherness and working in harmony. And then this is happening on Earth. So that juxtaposition. But the Supreme Court ruling, you should look it up. I don't know exactly what the name of it is, but you can look it up. Supreme Court ruling, May 29th, May 30th. Very important as a symbol and statement. And it could also represent as long as our cities stay intact, of what the Supreme Court, it also shows Don, John Roberts potentially in this heightened environment could wind up with one, I'm not saying he will he will support the liberals and everything else, but look, he's witnessing what could be a death knell of city life in our country and intrusion of the military. And you get an intrusion of the armed forces and military into cities, the Supreme Court doesn't have the same power that it has. If you have generals and you have military and you have tanks and you have troops in cities and you have more violence and other things and you don't have an election or you have a president who's implying, let's get rid, get rid of post, the postal service and other things, or that mail-in voting is not, you know, is it can be screwed around with. I will have a whole actual podcast, not about the problems of mail-in voting, the problems of voting machines. We vote by mail in Oregon, which is we've been doing for a quarter of a century. It's the way of voting in Washington state. Uh, I think it's Colorado and Utah now in Hawaii and many other states. It is the best way. There's a secrecy envelope. You have to sign your name. When the votes are tabulated, it's a group of people, right, left, center, different groups. It's taken care of. The, the problems are with voting machines in 50 different states having d different systems and relying on old machines and machines that can be tampered with or that can be hacked into. The fact that our country, after the hanging chads and the whole thing of Florida from 20 years ago, which was the other Jupiter-Saturn cycle in Earth, that here we are in a year where Jupiter and Saturn are going to join December 21st, right after the election by like six, seven weeks, Jupiter-Saturn Aquarius, and we're still working with antiquated voting machines and voting machines that can be hacked into. I watched a whole documentary about this. I will report more about it. I'm going to watch it again. I have a whole podcast. I'll be talking about that. Okay, that's it for now. Um, lots of healing blessings to everybody. I am so disappointed. And I know so many of you are that what was a positive um, group of marches to honor uh, George Floyd and to speak out against uh, police um, violence is now being taken over in this way by radical elements. And they're not necessarily left-wing radical elements. There can be plenty of people who have other agendas from the white supremacist organizations and people who enjoy violence. They just enjoy destruction and violence and can make it seem as if black people, Latino people, um, moderate and progressive white people, Native American people coming together, which our country really is a melting pot of all cultures and religions and backgrounds. That's who America really is. But we have a government now and a group of people, a small minority, who have a lot of violence and have a lot of weapons and who can look at this as an opportunity. And hopefully our presidents, former presidents, vice presidents, religious leaders, um, different prominent Americans will come together very soon, like 24 hours. 48 hours uh, so that things don't fall apart. 
Okay, many healing blessings to all of you. I'll see you the next time. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.